Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Today, I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Dontry with me as we have a lot of fun things to discuss about as Auburn fall practice has begun. Uh, we were able to attend that early this morning for an 8.30 press conference with the head football coach of Auburn, Hugh Freeze, then also went out to the practice fields for about a half hour shortly after that to uh, make some observations and that sort of thing. So we were able to go out there. So fall fall practice is underway, so we will be talking a lot about that today. We will air the press conference audio, at least the majority of it, uh, around 4.30 this afternoon. So if you're on the lookout for it, uh, stay tuned to us, and you'll be able to hear uh, a lot of what Hugh Freeze had to say this morning. Again, that will air around 4.30 today. So we'll have our observations. We'll have a sports call 5 at 5, kind of centered on fall, fall camp starting. Uh, also got other topics, though, in the football landscape of things, both collegiately and professionally, as uh, we will continue to monitor the various rumblings of, of conference expansion and the conference realignment and that sort of thing, so we'll keep you up to date on that. Also, the NFL Hall of Fame game is tonight as the Jets and Browns kick off unofficially, of course, the 2023 season uh, with a preseason matchup there as uh, football in at least some form is back tonight. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then, as mentioned yesterday, we're doing 14 SEC teams in 13 days. We preview the 2023 season. So coming up in the 5 o'clock hour today, we will have a preview of Mississippi State uh, as we go through kind of bottom up throughout the SEC over this uh, next couple of weeks, previewing the various SEC teams in their paths ahead in 2023 so a fun and full show for you here on this thursday edition of the show as always a nightly tv guide to birthdays and sports and your phone calls on the auburn bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine ryan brant and brooks with you here on this thursday start with you brant uh you were able to attend uh practice in the media session uh, for the first time with us this morning. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that, and good to see you again. Yeah, uh, first time being in the new football performance facility, and it's it's every bit as advertised, at least what we saw of it. It's a, it's a really nice facility, and uh, Auburn is you know doing its best to keep up with the arms race, and certainly right now it's towards the front of the line uh, with, with the new stuff, and um, hopefully that can continue. It, it can continue to stay that way as improvements get made over the years, I'm sure, but... Um, yeah, uh, going out to practice, it was about what I expected. It, it was pretty much the the kind of things that y- you hear people write about. Yeah, you got to see a little bit of a the pace drills at the beginning of practice, and then uh, the other half of our thirty minute viewing session was fifteen minutes of stretching, <laughs> uh, which is fine. You know, like I get it. College coaches are paranoid, and for good reason. But uh, I don't know. 
I, I would have been nice to see some guys hit, I guess. But uh, certainly not going to complain about the access that we do get. Um, it, it is really cool to be able to go out there and watch a little bit of an Auburn football practice. And yeah, I heard from Hugh Freeze beforehand. He didn't say anything super exciting, um, but got s- some decent quotes. And like we said, we'll we'll play that audio later uh, so people can hear it for themselves. But yeah, uh, Friday for me, I'm going I'm going home this weekend. Uh, final visit home before the fall semester starts, and I go back to school for two more years for some reason. So, uh, <laughs> going to go more visit. Paper. The fa- yeah, paper. More paper. Yeah, paper. More paper, baby. And, uh, yeah, going to go visit my family this weekend and looking forward to that. Absolutely. Brooks Childress also on the show today. Brooks, hope you've had a great Thursday. Good to see you again. Yeah, it, uh, it's been a great Thursday. Yeah, like we all ventured out there together, so we, we all saw the same stuff. Uh, all all three of us kind of stuck together today for the first day of practice. I'm sure once we keep going through this, uh, people will start you know getting getting more spread out a little bit and and uh, and check out different groups. But we mainly stayed around the offensive side of things, where they they started out with some some routes versus air to start with. Uh, for the the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, and they went into like Brant said a little bit of offensive pace drill uh, for the first second teams, and uh, and then went to some stretching and special teams work before we we got out of there. And so yeah, not a lot to to dive you know divulge out of it. Um, the you know he freeze talked about how the the guys were in a little bit better physical shape coming out of the summer uh, than they were going into going into the summer. And so you, you saw a little bit of that today, but um, yeah, your your guess is as good as ours at this point. Who the starting quarterback is going to be at the uh, for the UMass game? Hugh Freeze even said it that it may be the second or third game before you know a quote bona fide starter for the uh, for for Auburn. You you'll have a starting quarterback for that first game, but the, you'll hear later on the the word bona fide was t- thrown out there at the very end of the the press conference describing uh, who is starting quarterback. Uh, when they would have a decision on that, maybe, and so you, you may have to wait a couple a couple games into the season before we actually know who the man is on Auburn's campus. And you know, it, you never know. It, it always happens this way when you get a quarterback battle that you you're not going to be committal committal uh, to who's it, who it's going to be. Not show your hand, and uh, you really, if you're who freeze, you can't show your hand at this point because you haven't have not had uh, a quarterback practice you haven't had you know all the quarterbacks on your roster now practicing with you throughout the spring and so it's it's going to be a decent uh it's going to be a a, a fun fun fall to get out there and uh for the the auburn team and see what they've got going into this year um and we got to see a little bit of that uh uh, today as football gets it started on the planes as you said ryan pro football back tonight some sort of football is on our tv tonight some sort of american football is on our tv tonight which makes me very happy that we get to hear the sunday night football theme even though it's going to be you know the third string jets quarterback versus the third string browns quarterback and it's not going to look anything like what the rosters and watson aren't yeah yeah that bad (laughs) as a patriots fan i wish rogers was that bad at this point but uh, but yeah, we get some football on TV. Braves are off tonight after getting a, a series win over the Angels yesterday. They get ready for a three-game series against the Cubs starting tomorrow uh, up there at Wrigley. First time with, against the Cubs this year. The Braves get the Cubs twice in the last two months of the season. They get them this weekend, and then I think they're one of the last two series of the year uh, they play the Cubs in, in September. So we're uh, we're getting uh, getting down toward the playoff hunt here, here for the uh, Major League Baseball. We've had baseball on all day here at the uh at the station and so 
it, it's been a good sports day. It's going to continue to be a good sports day, and can't wait to get to all of our callers as well because can't wait to talk to them and uh, hear hear some takes from today's uh, today's uh, media stuff. And we're going to start uh, with just that as we break down a little bit of what we saw today at the first practice of fall practice and uh, what we heard from Coach Hugh Freeze. Of course, a lot of people. We need to start with this. A lot of people wanted to know the status of Jarquez Hunter, and we have been as forthcoming as we possibly could be where we genuinely do not know. And now we have a better idea. We do not have a great idea. But what we do know is that Jarquez Hunter was not out there participating at practice uh, today for Auburn. Coach Hugh Freeze was asked about it, and uh, he deflected as he has uh, at, as he did at SEC Media Days and whenever he's been asked about it, simply saying that it's a, a team matter and that he will, will not discuss it further publicly. Uh, so obviously, though, there is some got to be some level of concern once you see him not out there. Uh, I'm not going to start rushing to conclusions on missing games and that sort of thing, but clearly there is some sort of punishment and some sort of thing or, or withholding, withholding something there because uh, otherwise he would have been in practice if there was no concern whatsoever or if the investigation had concluded. So either, here are your options at this point, either there has been an, some sort of investigation that's culminated and it is resulted in some sort of punishment of which the true scale we do not know fully at this time, or the investigation is still ongoing and they feel it prudent to not let him practice and participate while the investigation is ongoing. Those are your two options at this point. We we don't have, unfortunately, confirmation that there is going to be a suspension. We don't, unfortunately, have any confirmation that the investigation is over. What we have are those two pathways. Again, either uh, there is something still ongoing and they want to hold him out uh, while it's ongoing, or something has concluded that does deserve some sort of punishment. Again, we don't know the particulars of that, but obviously, Jarquez Hunter was not at practice today. So then Hugh Freeze was asked about uh, some of the other running backs in the room. And let's talk about a little bit about some of those other running backs in the room. Uh, Damari Austin was a high-profile recruit when he got to Auburn a couple years ago, played a little bit last year, uh, even with Tank Bigsby and, and uh, Jarquez Hunter in the fold, still got some playing time. You brought in Brian Batty out of South Florida, who – uh, was a very productive rusher and returner for South Florida. We've heard multiple times over the offseason that coaches have been kind of surprised about him in practice trying to run through tackles or, or run between the tackles and that sort of thing. Is such a small guy. They, I think it was Hugh Freeze maybe at media days that said that he just expected him to do what we expected, return and maybe be out on the edge, and yet he's running up in there well, with no fear there. So, so Batty is not necessarily just somebody that – we won't see at all run up the middle. Uh, and then, of course, someone like Jeremiah Cobb, who uh, was a, a high four-star recruit last year uh, out of, I believe, Montgomery Catholic, and then somebody that was rumored to be considering a flip to potentially even Georgia towards the end of the process. So, again, a, another highly recruited running back. So bottom line is you got three other running backs with varying degrees of experience, uh, high-profile nature coming out of high school, that sort of thing. Uh, where does this running back room sit, guys, if Jarquez Hunter is not available for the start of the season uh, or, or just any sort of uh, a hindrance in his ability to, to be ready for the opening game? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's 
as big a loss as some people have said, Ryan, you and I talked about this earlier, and I'll, I'll let you give your spiel on it. I think the running back room is pretty good. Obviously, without Jarquez Hunter, it takes a hit. But uh, I think that I think the running back room should be fine, especially if he only misses a couple of games. You know, we still don't know if he's even going to play at all. We don't know if he's kicked off the team or if he's not going to miss any time at all, and he just wasn't at practice because the investigation didn't over yet. But you have the first couple of games: Massachusetts, California, and and Samford. Uh, I, I feel like you ought to be able to win those games without your top tier running back, as long as the guys behind him uh, are are as advertised. And look, I'm. I'm a believer in Damari Alston. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I think Jeremiah Cobb is super talented. Uh, Brian Betty, I know he's a weapon, and I know they're talking about running him up the middle. I'll believe it when I see it. The kid's listed at 165 pounds. I, I, you know, it, fear is only one aspect of running between the tackles. When you're that small, it is just tough to pull off. Uh, so I'll believe that when I see it. But I think Auburn's got three capable running backs, um, three guys that – I have different skill sets, and look, if Jarquez isn't there, then you know someone's going to play running back for Auburn, and, and that kid's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah, I think right now, if if you're you're factoring in this this running back room with Jarquez Hunter in it, I think it's a top five running back room in the conference. Um, I, I think if you, you take Jerquez Hunter out, it obviously it's going to take a hit. I don't think it's that much of a hit, though. Um, I, I don't think it drops into the bottom half of the SEC. I still think it's the top half of the SEC running back room because, like you were, you guys were pointing out, you've got some highly touted recruits in there. You've got some guys that uh, some of the bigger schools, and especially schools that rely heavily on running backs for their success on the offensive side of the ball, were very much in, in trying to get some of these guys. And so I, I think that, you know, obviously we're not, we're not going to sit here and speculate of what, you know, how long, if, if Jarquez Hunter is out, how long he's going to be out and all this. We're not going to, you know, sit here and, and say we know or we're going to speculate on, on what, when, it's, when we're going to know more because we'll know more when, when Auburn decides uh, to either, as, as you said, Ryan, end, if there's still an investigation going on, in the investigation and release, you know, the findings and then, you know, you, you know what's going to go on or, uh, you know, he, he's no longer on the team and we, you know, they, they finally, or they not no longer on the team. They, they've concluded the, the investigation and we'll find out at, you know, at some point here in the, in the future. Um, and so we're not going to sit here and speculate, but I think the running back room is fine. Um, it, the running backs at Auburn are always uh, a, a group that you can always depend on. And it's been no matter who has coached at Auburn throughout the years, you know that's a position that's always been a dependable one for Auburn. They can you know consistently, if not have one, get close to a thousand yard rusher every single year. I think Hugh Freeze knows that. You've seen his offense at Liberty. You've seen his offense at Ole Miss. Uh, you saw his offense at Arkansas State. It's it's it a little more pass heavy than you've seen like uh, a Gus Malzahn. Uh, throw in there but it's still the same spread them out kind of kind of offense you're going to run the ball a lot and uh, you're you've got some good uh, good running backs on this roster whether ones you've brought in or you've you've had on campus for a while and so it, it's going to be a hit no matter what what happens here with Jarquez Hunter uh, but it's it's it, you, you look at this running back room there's a lot of talent on it in 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 it and there's not a lot of uh not a lot you should be too worried about i don't think so i look i think that i'm not going to downplay uh the potential the ability of jerkwest hunter from the standpoint of like if given the full-fledged opportunity there is a real chance for him to be 
a 1,200-yard back to be somebody that is incredibly productive and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, I don't want anyone to go just simply citing like a yards per carry metric and say that, hey, this is proof that he is better than Tank Bigsby or more talented than so-and-so because what we must actually look at, look, look at when we're, we're thinking about that sort of thing is go back and look at the last I, – I just went, went and did it a minute ago. Look at the last 10 years or so. It is very common for the backup running back to have a higher yards per carry than the starter. They have less carries. They're sometimes not as respected as the starter. Or if they break a big run, it goes a longer way, no pun intended, because it factors in more when you only have 40 or 50 or 60 of those and you break a 70-yard run compared to you have 150 carries. That 70-yard run's not as influential. Um, so, I, I mean, I was looking at it again. Cam Martin, three of the four years he was at Auburn, uh, had a higher yards per carry than the starter that year. Uh, and, and that's an example. 2013, Cameron Arnest Payne had a higher yards per carry than Trey Mason did. Trey Mason was awesome, and no one would ever even dispute that. And even in 2014, when Cameron Arnest Payne had the gaudy rushing numbers, uh, one of the SEC leaders, one of the best yardage seasons in Auburn history, he still was outrushed by yards per carry-wise by Corey Grant. So yards per carry is not really this – great metric and i'm not saying a lot of people use it but if you were thinking about using it as saying oh this guy was already better than tank look at last year's yards per carry it doesn't really work that way it it, it's that way for a lot of different teams where the backup running back ends up with a better yards per carry number now again i'm not minimizing the potential impact of jarquez i think he is a, a highly skilled running back but I don't think that he's so skilled it's not repeatable, is what I will say. I think Damari Austin has a skill set that would be able to run uh, like Jarquez Hunter. Uh, I think that they can get these these big gashes from time to time from Batty, not that he's going to ever have 20 carries in a game or 20 carries per game, but can he have a 10 for 90 and have a 40-yard run in there? Absolutely, I, I think he could have that. Uh, so I wouldn't start sounding an alarm on the season obviously everyone a we want people to stay out of trouble b we want them to be able to compete c we want them to play well like like those are not you know earth-shattering concepts and so we hope the situation is resolved and we hate that there's a situation in the first place but i think that there shouldn't be a mass panic if he ends up missing time and by the way it's also why i wanted to frame it this way we talked about Auburn's kind of easing into the season a little bit, their non-conference schedule and that sort of thing. Guess what? They're playing UMass the first game. They could run out any of their running backs. Any of their running backs will have an opportunity just because of what the offensive line in theory will do to a lesser skilled and a lesser sized defensive line. Uh, Cal is someone that if it's so close with Cal that you need a little extra umph out of your running back room against Cal – your season's probably not headed in a great direction. I'm not going to say it's over. That's week two. But you will have a lot of work to do if you're saying, wow, Auburn lost that game because they didn't have Jarquez Hunter. That's That would be a, a disappointment for the rest of the team. Uh, and then, of course, Sanford in week three gives you even another opportunity to be like, okay, it doesn't really matter who's in the backfield. It's not until you get to A&M week four where you're like, all right, we want every horse healthy. We want every tool in the tool bag. So – I want. I am downplaying a little bit because I do feel like we it, it could be overblown. 
and that although it is a serious issue, serious investigation, want everything cleared up, and Jarquez Hunter is a talented player, again, it's not an irreplaceable situation for Jarquez Hunter, and because of your schedule, you got a little bit of a runway to be able to say, all right, well, maybe he does get suspended for a game or two. Well, okay, he's not going to miss any SEC games. He's not going to miss the big ones. Your non-conference game this year is not a big one. Cal is going to be struggling to be 6-6 six and six team uh, in their final year in the Pac-12. Whoops, sorry. Uh, <laughs> aside there, conversation for a later, a latter hour. But uh, anyway, so <laughs> so I just want to say that is I, we're going to continue to talk about it. We will continue to update it. But it is my personal opinion that while we will cover it and while it is important, it's not the difference in a win loss record necessarily, and it's not the difference, especially if there's only a short term uh, type of deal here. It's not going to be the difference in one of the first three games of the season. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get to birthdays and sports. Also, a trip to the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, and the Tiger Communications Studios as the boys celebrate something uh, that I do not know it. The Mets lost. Oh, yeah, to the Royals. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Drew Waters. I'm going to tell you. I actually thank you for this. Thank you for our lives. <laughs> um, I meant to tell you this over the break that uh, Drew Waters hit a three-run homer and former Bray prospect. Uh, so st- hey. still getting an opportunity to beat the Metropolitans, just in a, a different uh, different uniform. You can take the boy out of the Braves uniform, but you can't take the Braves uniform out of the boy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's what they all say. All right. Let's, uh, before we go any further today, get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. Birthdays and sports today. We'll start off with Lance Allworth, who was uh, who is 81 today. Former NFL wide receiver, Allworth was born in Texas and raised in Arkansas. He was a high school star on football, in football, baseball, and track. Played college football and ran track at Arkansas. Ooh, pig! Where he was a three-time Southwest Conference champion and one-time All-American. In 1962, he was taken ninth overall by the Raiders, who then traded him to the Chargers. He played 11 seasons in the NFL, nine in San Diego, and was a seven-time Pro Bowler, seven-time All-Pro, three-time AFL leader in receptions, 
in receiving yards and touchdowns, one-time AFL Player of the Year and one-time Super Bowl champion. His number 19 is retired by the Chargers, and he's a member of the College and Pro Football Hall of Fame. Lance Allworth is 81 today. Tom Brady is 46 today. Goat. Ever heard of him. Goat. Those are two incredibly different reactions. Uh, former NFL quarterback. Uh, said former there. Sad. Mm-hmm. That let that one sink in. Brady was born in California. was a star in high school in football and baseball. Played college football at Michigan. Go Big Blue. Where he was a one-time national champion, although he was a backup on that championship team. Drafted in the seventh round by the Patriots. Get sixth those rings round. early. I believe it's the end of the sixth round. Yep. Uh, by the Patriots, where he began what most consider the greatest career of all time. Go Pats. Played 20... Hang on, we're getting there. One more sentence. <laughs> Let, here we go. He played 23 seasons in the NFL, 20 for the Patriots. I said go Pats. There you go. And three for the Buccaneers. Fire the cannons. 15-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, three-time NFL Most Valuable Player, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, he holds the NFL career records for wins, passing attempts, completions, touchdowns, yards, and the NFL season record passing attempts and completions. Tom Brady, who announced he is part owner of a soccer club today. Uh, for a happy birthday to him, he bought yeah. himself a club, soccer club, or part of one. Uh, Tom Brady turns 46 today. I miss you, Tom. Pretty good. Come back. Pretty good <laughs> football guy. Troy Glaus turns 47, former MLB third baseman. Glaus was born in California and played college baseball at UCLA. Go Westwood. He joined the Angels after college in 1998, made his MLB debut in 1999, played 13 seasons in Major League Baseball, his best years being with the Angels and four-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and one-time AL Home Runs leader. In 2002, he won the World Series with the Angels and was named World Series Most Valuable Player. Also played a little bit for the Braves. Troy Glaus turns 47 today. And Youngway Coot turns 29, kicker for the Atlanta Falcons. Coot was born in uh, My Goat. Seoul, South Korea, and moved to New Jersey at six years old. Played both football and soccer in high school, and being named team MVP for both as a senior. Played college football at Georgia Southern. Let's go Eagles! Where he was a four-year starter. As a senior, he was an all-sunbelt selection and a finalist for the Blue Rose Award. Signed with the Chargers in 2017, but was cut during the season. Later joined the AAF and performed well enough to get back into the NFL, eventually landing with the Falcons in 2020, led the league in scoring, and made his first Pro Bowl. Young Wei Koo turns 29 today. He has not looked back. My sister is, uh, was a student at Georgia Southern during Young Wei Koo's time there, so... Legendary stuff, pretty Legendary much. stuff for the Georgia Southern Eagles. Absolutely. So Lance Allworth, 81, Troy Glaus, 47, Young Wei Koo, 29, and Tom Brady, 46 today. There, Those are birthdays in sports for this Thursday, August the 3rd. All right, let's get to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing, guys, guys, hey, I'm not 81 yet, but I'm getting close to it, uh, but I'm doing fine for my age. Uh, I, I've forgotten all about Lance Allward. He was one of the best receivers in the NFL. Um, I mean, if you wanted a uh, ball to be caught by him, not dropped, and he was one of the guys. So I uh, didn't know he was still alive. So that was good to hear. And um, who's this guy? Uh, Tom Brady? Yeah. Uh, he was a uh, he was a quarterback. He, he played for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I guess he he, he, he got a few uh, championships, didn't he? Just just a few, indeed. Just a few, yeah. yeah. He's he's one, one of the best. I, um, I mean, you know, I grew up with people like Joe Montana. 
uh, but I don't know if you guys would say he's better than Joe Montana or it's a close tie. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, this <laughs> this gets into a long discussion. I will keep it at, uh, again, there are other quarterbacks from a talent perspective that you can you can have arguments with, but I just think that greatness is more than just the sum of your talent or the sum of your stats, and it's part of what you do in the biggest moments and the biggest games, and Brady did that time and time again at a, at a rate in which we've never seen before. And that's why I have to go with him as the greatest of all time because he did it for as long as you can do it, but as well as you can do it. I mean, he was second in MVP voting in his age 44 season so uh, and really, really well could have won it. So I, I just think that his longevity, his ability to do it, these clutch drives time after time, uh, he just he was he perfected that position in a way that's not been perfected before. And, and look, it's going to be a constant chase, but I think that the people – when we start talking Patrick Mahomes in, in, in greatest of all time debates and these other quarterbacks, I think they're going to be compared to Tom Brady. And so I think I think that is the main reasons why he is the greatest of all time. Fair enough. Um, I just, you know, I grew up with, you know, quarterbacks. Uh, to me, I, I see you know, Joe Montana, if, if they were behind and they needed a touchdown, you know, he, he would, so like Tom Brady, you know, he was clutch. Another one I would say uh, is up in that, category would be uh steve young sure i mean great for, two great 49 quarterbacks and of course he, uh, brady grew up a 49ers fan so he knew all about those guys all right uh and guys you know i guess nowhere is nowhere to be found uh right uh pretty much yeah. uh, except i guess brooks did find it if uh, we talked about it on tuesday well brooks i thought uh, when i was listening to the podcast later uh today you said that uh you couldn't locate where nowhere was I knew it was. I, I I know it was in Colorado. I just don't know where in Colorado it is. There there's not but a no, lot written about it. Okay, all right. That, that was that was pretty funny. And then last chance is that the place has only twenty three people. Oh, one so. of them had zero technically. Yeah. Now I don't know if it was last chance or not. But uh, what, yeah, all those populations for the most part were very small on Tuesday. Yeah, I also found out because I said, well, let me find some other weird names. And there is a last chance in Iowa. Okay. Yeah. I, I, like I, like I said earlier, I, I'm not uh, I'm not surprised that's not uh, just in one state. All right, but I'm gonna throw one at you. Okay, just just for fun, there is a place called Toad Suck. <laughs> I've heard this one before. I think we've had it on the show before. Oh, really? Um, Have you? Maybe. Um, is it Louisiana? Nope. Ah, it's close. Close. Mississippi. Uh. Kind of close. It borders Mississippi and Louisiana. Arkansas. You got it. Old Suck, Arkansas. Huh. Yeah, I think we've done Arkansas before, so it's possible we did that in the probably like not 2023, but maybe a couple of years ago. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, I love the uh, the comments made by both Miss Ferguson and uh, Cole Pinkston. Yes, sir. And so last night I listened to a podcast made by Philip Dukes, uh, having to do um, with none other Mr. Bolton. And uh, it may, may be my, uh, my Auburn uh, homerism, but, boy, he just sounded like when he was talking about Auburn, uh, a lot more animated. And some other uh, bloggers who listened to the video said they felt the same way. Apparently, though, he's already made his decision. According to Philip Dukes, uh, uh, in fact, on the podcast, uh, Mr. Bolton made his decision Monday morning. 
Okay, that would uh, that would seem to bode better for Auburn. But again, I uh, it, it is a very tight race for him. But that would seem to bode well. And I was just wondering, is it just coincidence? Why would he do his last interview with anybody uh, with an Auburn, you know, was um, a sports broadcaster? Well, yeah, I mean, it depends on on who all requested him and when and and that sort of thing. It's possible that they that was the end of his uh, request and that sort of thing. But uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, again, these signs seem to bode well, but I, I would still rate it as cautiously optimistic. I agree. And you know, even if he were to commit to Auburn, uh, that won't be the I end of it. It ain't. It ain't over. Yeah, that's what, it, and that's what over. Cole said yesterday that. That uh, really, that that race will go on through December. Yeah. All right. Speaking of uh, things that we are not sure of, uh, Mr. Uh, Hunter. Now, yeah. tell me if I'm making too much of this or not. But today, when asked about that, because I read the, uh, the, the the quick comments on uh, 247, uh, Coach Freeze made the comment that matters related to team rules and procedures are handled internally. Now. If he was no longer part of the team, he would have just gone ahead and said he is no longer with our team. He's been dismissed, right? Correct. All right. I believe so, yes. All right. He didn't say that. Right. All right. Now, what can't be secretive, guys, is he's enrolled um, for classes, or is he not? Yeah, he should be. I mean, you got you got to be to play. You can't hold that. That can't be secretive. You can find that out, right? Uh, I, well, I... I assume so. I don't go checking to see if people are enrolled or not, but uh, I mean, you might be able to. All right. And do we know if he's been observed or or not uh, in uh, the training rooms and uh, the weight rooms you know, uh, during the summer? Uh, that I, I'm not familiar with. One of the beat guys might know that, or they may know that and not be able to share. But I I I don't know that for sure. I'm just I'm wondering. Okay. Uh, have you not been seen on campus by other students? Like, like, how can this be just secretive? I'm, like, well, I'm he's, sure he's, he's been not on. been kicked off the team yet, and as long as he's not kicked off the team, they're they're handling this as though he is going to play this year. It's not a matter of whether or not he's been kicked off the team, at least not yet. Uh, and if there was any real danger of that, I'm sure that he I would think be gone been by now. More swift and more yeah. decisive than it than it has been. Yeah, I read all the comments from the people that were right by you. Uh, this is probably what a Title IX issue, right? Uh, yes, yeah. yes, it would be. Uh, but I mean, I guess there could be a legal component to it. I mean, this particular thing is Title IX, but if there was even worse findings, that it could, it could change its course a little bit. So, if it is a Title IX issue, and Jacquesin, uh, if he wanted to, he would. I mean, he could transfer right now if he thought he couldn't play, right? Uh, he wouldn't be eligible to play this fall. Why not? Because there's been a change in uh, coaching staff. Uh, but the, the portal already caught. The, the coaching staff was last year. It's not a change. It's not a change since the portal yeah, was that, open. That portal opening for a change of coaching staffs is only open for a certain amount of time. Okay, so now he couldn't transfer even if he wanted to. Then was no, I mean he could transfer, but he would just have to sit out. He wouldn't yeah. be eligible. He would have to sit out. Yeah, he would have to sit out. He would not be able to play this fall. Okay. All right. Um, and I've heard your comments. Yeah, we got good running backs. But you guys left out one other running back that I saw during the day again. I said, wow. Uh, and during, uh, he played a few games last year, if I remember correctly, Sean Jackson. 
Yeah, Sean Jackson would not would not beat those other guys out in the depth chart, I don't believe. So, I mean, yes, he, he played, but he would be at least third, if not fourth. Okay. Uh, I just I just think, well, you know, the ones mentioned him, and he seemed uh, to be a, a pretty uh, uh, strong uh, you know, running back. All right. Then about uh, this uh, upcoming uh, season, guys, and the, uh, I guess, the energy, uh, I've been reading from – uh, people like Luke Deals. Uh, Steve, you there? Uh, we, Steve, you there? Believe we uh, we lost. No, nope. Steve, Steve, you there? Yes. Okay, we, we lost you for about twenty seconds. Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's a podcast I listened to last time, Jason Campbell, and a lady by the name of Victoria Davis, and it's called Auburn Believing in Everything, and they had Robbie Ashford on there. Interesting. And they were talking to him about uh, the, the training and the offseason and uh, what's, um, what, what can fans expect you know, from this new offense, what's it going to be like. And these are two words he said. He said, look uh, at the offense to be explosive and up-tempo. Excellent. Yep. So that tells me we're going to have too much uh, huddling, right? Yeah. So up tempo tells me the offense could be ready to go uh, as soon as the uh, the ball is placed down on the ground by the officials. Yeah, if Ideally. not shortly thereafter. And explosive. What does that tell you? Uh, a lot it, of it plays downfield. They, they want to have big plays like every other offense in football. Okay. Uh, does it tell you very much about um, how much we can expect of running the, the ball versus passing? Yeah, I mean, I think your goal is to make explosive plays in both. I mean – Look, you, the the yardage might be defined differently on what an explosive pass play is versus explosive run play, but uh, they don't run just simply to get three yards and move on. I mean, they're, they're trying to do multiple things when they run, but uh, they they want to be well, look, any offense in a perfect world wants to be good at everything. But but Freeze has uh, exemplified balance uh, at most places, and and so that's why he's used different style of quarterbacks in the past. And so look again. As Brant just alluded to, you love to hear the, the want to be explosive and, and and all that, but so does every offense except for like Iowa. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, they're good with three yards in a cloud of dust, but everyone else is trying to trying to make big plays. So again, the, you know, they're they're saying the right things. I mean, they're supposed supposed to say this kind of stuff, but uh, obviously the execution part will be the telltale sign. Yeah, you also have that. It's been fun. He said it hadn't been that way apparently. Um, before, and I'm seeing those kind of comments uh, you know, repeatedly by other players. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, he was also asking Co- Coach Freeze uh, during today's, uh, I guess, uh, reporters being available uh, about being a champion team and what he's looking for. And this quote caught me, uh, and I'm hoping that he'll uh, himself, you know, apply himself to this comment. He said, "You have to behave as a champion before you become one." That's everything from nutrition to the locker room to your timely manner to the way you dress to the way you talk and to the way you think. Well, I'm hoping that that's what he tells himself as well concerning his past behaviors. Uh, and um, so I'm hoping, hey, man, please use those comments for yourself as well. I just thought that was interesting. He made those comments about what he expects on and off the field. Yeah, I mean, 
look, any coach is going to expect, again, and, and I hate to speak in generalities, but a lot of this is generalized stuff. That's why we didn't lead off the show with it, is that, you know, you have to hold yourself to a high standard to be a champion. And look, that is personal accountability for Hugh Freeze. He knows. Believe me, he knows that he needs to be better than what he was at Ole Miss. But then also, he knows that the players have to be disciplined. He knows that they have to stay out of legal trouble. Got to be available, right? They don't They don't love the Jarquez Hunter situation going on if you're not available to your teammates. He talked about the word commitment a good bit and, and how that is sort of a sacrifice to others, that you're willing to do what it takes to help everyone achieve the common goal. And so, look, again, he's saying the right things, and whether he will do them over a long period of time, that's for a long period of time to determine. But, again, I look, I think that he understands what he needs to do and what he not needs to do. And so all this is about execution. Again, he's got the right message, and he's saying the right things. And I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to believe in him. But we're going to see that play out over time, not only with him, but also with the teams that are developed. And whether they're, as we go back to what we talked about three minutes ago, whether they make explosive plays or not, and whether they have the fun or not, and whether they win the games or not. So, again, I I fully am buying into what he is selling, but they still have to actually deliver the product at the end of the day. Right, fair enough. All right, stay real quickly with our team. Um, Breeze also said uh, about the two, well, Quarterbacks most in competition, Ashford and uh, Peyton. And he says that uh, Peyton, I've been reading this already, uh, comes to him every day saying, have you got any free time today, Coach? Have you got any free time today? Those are the, 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 the almost routine comments he gets from him every day. So I thought that was interesting. And then uh, Philip Marshall, Nathan King, said the observations of uh, uh, Robbie Ashford that he looks more polished. Uh, when uh, making passes and, and uh, throwing the ball. So I thought uh, that sounds encouraging. All right, moving on, guys, real quickly. Are you ready for Mr. Uh, Bo Jackson's beans? Yeah, I, uh, I heard this news that he's going to be uh, opening up a, a coffee shop, right, 2024? Yeah, uh, in, in a hotel. It's going to be called The Graduate. Yeah, I heard about that, where the old uh, Andrews yeah. Bookstore used to be. Right, and apparently... There's a bunch of these uh, graduate hotels, they're called, uh, throughout uh, probably, I guess, maybe the southeast, but the other parts of the country, they're based in college towns, so I, I didn't know that. It'll be ready in 2024, according to the article. Yeah, I think the one in Knoxville has uh, Peyton Manning's bar at the bottom of it. Yeah. Uh, well, they listed a whole a bunch of them. Uh, let's see. Uh, the first one is in Georgia, uh, and then there's one in Oxford. One in Columbia, South Carolina, one in Fayetteville, one in Knoxville, Tennessee, and one in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, definitely a, uh, a Southern University type of thing. Now, sticking with Auburn, guys, I did not know that Mike and Ed's had closed. Is that right? Yeah, Mike and Ed's closed oh, that's a while been, ago. Yeah, that's been closed yeah, a couple of years ago. It's been, what, three different okay. restaurants since then? Yeah, it was Rob's well, Ribs for a little while, and yeah. I think it's Tavern no on one, the Tracks now. Is yeah. that what it is? No, yeah. one, no one took it over. No, it's it's a currently called uh, Tavern on the Tracks, and okay. uh, it's a. I've been there once. They've got a uh, big alcoholic selection, and uh, that's not what I did because I was at <laughs> lunch and I was on a show later that day. But I'm just, I was just saying the nachos that, were good. Yeah, uh, they yeah it was, we had lunch there, but I think the they tried to have a, a good atmosphere at night too. And I heard that Byron 
smokehouse got sold a few days ago. Yes, uh, the good news is it's going to stay as Byron's with the same menu, but they had actually backed down hours in previous months. They were really only open for breakfast, and new ownership's going to open it back up for lunch hours, too. Okay. And Fan Day, guys, because I used to go to it religiously. I mean, every Fan Day when I was uh, not only living in Oklahoma for 10 years, but before that. But now I see it used to be like at least two, two and a half hours. It may be an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. Is that all they're going to be giving the fans? Well, so they're they're doing the, a kind of a two parter thing here. If you are an on to victory supporter, you get to go in an hour right. early, and so right, they are not. But if you're not, yeah, it's like an hour and a half or something like that. Gee, do you realize I used to stand a, a, an hour sometimes just to get a few players' autographs? Yeah, it, it's college athletics has changed. They're they're putting a lot of more emphasis on uh, you. You want access to some of these players. You got to uh, you know more access to them. Uh, support on to victory. Okay, well, I hate to see the money drives uh, fan day now. It said just be open, you know, to to general public. Is a Golden Flake still sponsored? Because he used to be one of the sponsors. I don't know. You'd have to uh, look on the the Auburn website. Yeah, I really don't know. Okay, guys. That's all I've got. And, you know, this thing happened, uh, if I remember, around May the 16th or 18th that the investigation was announced, right? Yeah, I don't know the exact date, but, yeah, May feels, May feels correct. Do you think we'll know something by that date? <laughs> by, by this time next year? I, <laughs> no, I would, no, no, I, no, 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 not by, by me within. By uh, August 16th or 18th? Yeah, right. Uh, that's a, a pretty good over-under for it, I would say. They were going to know before the start of the season, but um, – that that that's around the start of school. So again, I, that week would would be my would be my guess. Okay, that's all I got, guys. Thank you for again giving me all the time that I probably uh, couldn't afford if I had to pay for it. So with that said, have a safe afternoon and relaxing uh, day, and we'll see you again tomorrow. War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, see. Appreciate your phone call. That is retired MC joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We'll keep it right here with only three or four minutes left to go here in the first hour of the program. Yeah, again, uh, we will be, Steve summarized some of the quotes there, we will be airing uh, the majority of that uh, press conference around 4.30 this afternoon. Again, uh, it was about a 24, 25-minute press conference. We, we cut out about four or five, eh, about more like six minutes or so of it. So uh, we kept the majority of it in. So we'll play that at about 4.30 today. Uh, and, again, we'll have a Mississippi State preview in the 5 o'clock hour, that sort of thing. Uh, so a lot to get to. Um, couple updates on the. Uh, I, you know what? I'll save again. Thinking of things live, scatterbrained, but we will we'll save the expansion talk to the start of the next hour because there's more on expansion. Uh, real quickly here in a couple minutes, there is the Hall of Fame game tonight, guys. Uh, Jets and Browns. How much will you consume of that game, if any? And. Uh, you know, are, does it get you giddy to know that there will be professional footballers on the field tonight, or is it just like, yeah, wait till my team gets out there? If anyone has not listened to this show a ton and is currently listening, <laughs> I have made my stance on preseason NFL football very known, very clear. It is not real football. It does not matter, and it is not entertaining. It does exist on the field, though. So it, yeah. does, it, it does. It does. Someone does. Like, I mean, real. it's great. It's great for those guys, and I, I understand why it's necessary. I hate preseason football because it feels, it feels like a tease, man. Like I just, I just want football, and instead, I'm having 22 guys whose names I've never heard before play in these uniforms that I recognize, and I'm just going. 
it, this isn't real football, and I want real football. The, to me, the preseason is only good for indicating, hey, it is almost time for football. And that is that is really the only thing I have. So I'm probably not going to watch any of it tonight. But, uh, you know, and, and more power to those who do. Uh, it's just not for me. I do not like preseason football. There's a chance I watch it. Um, it's the Jets still, so I'm not a big, you know, I, I'm not a big Jets fan. There. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also, I'm not, you know, don't want to spoil the whole nightly TV guy that's coming up at the end of the show, but uh, I've really gotten into the last couple of weeks that superstar racing experience, the yeah. Thursday Night Thunder, and they're back tonight. Did you watch it last week? They got they got testy there at the end. Ken Schrader was mad. Yeah, Woo! with uh, was Paul mad. Tracy wrecked yeah. them, and he now was, Tracy's out of the series. Yeah, and see I that think, part of it? Yeah, they kicked them out. And Ken Schrader, I think, uh, is like doing color tonight or something. He's doing a feature tonight, at least. Uh, on the uh, on the broadcast, but that's on tonight. So I may watch some football until that comes on. I may just get sucked into the football game. There's also baseball on TV tonight that I may may run over to. And so there there's a couple things. Luckily, luckily for me, I got the Bachelorette viewing obligatory Bachelorette <laughs> viewing out of the way last night. Uh-huh. Uh And so I don't have to worry about that tonight. And so I can uh, I can wrestle the remote away and uh, see if I can watch. Uh, I'm I'll probably. At least tune in for a little bit of it. At least just depends what my what my plans are this evening. I don't know if I'll be at my place or not. Uh, if I'm home, then there's a chance, and if I'm not home, there's a, obviously a lower chance. Um, Makes sense. It's just I will I, I will say this: I'm not all the way to the Brant's level of, <laughs> of a lack of caring. I don't think it's just fake. just commit go right. to the extremes, um, but. <laughs> Because I'll I'll watch all the Bucks preseason. I'll watch every snap of it. I will I will watch it on my phone if I have to. I did last year. I was like, ooh, Kyle Trask, because uh, I, I was like, <laughs> you know, Brady's old, as you just heard earlier today. I'm like, it's not lasting much longer. So I'll watch any preseason game. I even traveled to one one time against Tennessee, where the Bucks just got absolutely destroyed. Uh, by the Titans, I think it was like thirty-eight to zero. I went seven hours for that in a preseason game, <laughs> and I told myself, I said, if I ever live in Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater, I will go to preseason games. They're just thirty minutes away, and they're so I, cheap. But I will never ever drive seven hours for just a preseason game again. So I do understand. However, I do want to see these younger guys because they might factor in one day. I want to get strong opinions on number forty-eight in the roster. I do. You see, so, that's where I'm at too, because the Patriots fair. have a have a preseason game in Nashville, and yeah. that's the closest they're going to be all year long. Yeah. And so I'm on the fence, like, should I go? But it's also a preseason game. Do I want to watch my team get kicked in the, kicked around on the preseason field? I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence about it. Yeah, there is a clear price. Well, like, there are adva- small, but there are yeah. advantages because of price. It gives you the opportunity if, you, if you're priced out of more expensive games. If you are a big-branded team like the Patriots, then it, it helps you be pricey or, or a more cost-efficient to be able to go. On that sort of thing. And again, like I said, there are some young guys that you want to see. There's guys that are going to be fighting for roster spots. The reality of the NFL is you're going to get a lot of guys injured throughout the year. So some of these guys you might need to actually play well in the preseason, earn their spot, and you might end up seeing them in the regular season. So anyway, uh, I will not be watching too much tonight, maybe a little bit, but it is exciting to know that this is a clear signal. Football is near. We are out of time for hour number one. Coming up in hour number two, again, with that Hugh Freeze press conference audio. Also, a little bit more about college football playoff expansion and a little bit later, a preview on Mississippi State football. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon. We have a fun next couple of hours for you, as in just a little bit, we will play that Hugh Freeze audio from his introductory press conference to fall practice. Uh, so that's coming up around 4.30 today. In the 5 o'clock hour, we will have a Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeast Land Group. That will once again talk a little bit more about fall practice. We'll give you five storylines to watch uh, so far in fall practice. And then in just a moment, we're about to get into more college football conference expansion, realignment, destruction, destruction despair, lack of Pacific 12 conference. Lack of TV deals. Uh, right. Uh, so that uh, is here in just a moment. Again, we were just talking a little bit about the start of the NFL season or at least preseason. Um, fortunately, we've not seen, knock it on wood, not seen any big injuries this week. That was a thing throughout the first week of training camp. We saw like five or six players carted off in week one. Um, everything from Joe Burrow to Jalen Ramsey. I mean, it was uh, it was a rough first week. We will it's have a lot here. Uh, a lot absolutely. of J names going down. Uh, and I think that. Um, we will probably get into a preview right around the time the college season starts, too. We will have to preview uh, the NFL season. Of course, we'll, we are proud to be the Atlanta Falcons affiliate here in East Central Alabama. So uh, we will have another year of Atlanta Falcons football right here on Tiger 95.9. So stay tuned for that. All right. More expansion talk. My favorite topic, the most common topic <laughs> of the last month or two. Who who would have thought that a that we would be talking about uh, expansion and, and destruction this much leading into the twenty twenty three college football season? I've loved it and I've hated it at the same time. Uh, it's been it's been both. It's certainly been common though, and I think this will be resolved the next week or so. I think we will have a I, I don't I think we'll have a reckoning here. In a matter of potentially hours, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. And then we'll have to digest that news, and then hopefully we will be able to focus on the football season from that point forward. But again, this is, <laughs> but again, this is too important to ignore because it is shaping what we're going to know as college athletics here in the future. And again, in short order, in quick order, in a lot of these cases, particularly with the Pac-12. So let's get into what is new from yesterday because, again, there's new stuff every 24 hours. So what is new today 
is there is going to be a board of regents meeting this evening uh, involving Arizona and Arizona State. And the thought is, the rumor is, this could be to vote on exiting the Pac-12. And the Big 12 has been getting together. Both sides, the situation here is both sides have needed to think this over. This has not been, hey, Arizona and Arizona State absolutely want to go to the Big 12. Big 12 is dragging their feet or vice versa, where Big 12 have made it unanimous. You're in. Please come. And Arizona and Arizona State have been like, eh, we don't know yet. It's both been kind of wishy-washy. Arizona and Arizona State waited for George Klavikoff to give that horrible presentation of the Pac-12 TV deal. That did, include t- that did not include TVs. Did not include an actual cable option. <clears throat> and the Big 12 waited to see out see how that would play out and examine whether they want to add one or add three. It appears Arizona and Arizona State are a package deal. It does not seem like they want to separate. They are controlled by the same board, which I find to be very interesting. That is not common for two major schools that are not same type, I mean, same system type of thing. So that that was interesting to me. But nevertheless, they are controlled by the same board. And so they want to see themselves stay together. That seems fair, not split. So if that's the case, and the Big 12 has to think about, all right, do we want all or do we want nothing? here because Arizona I think was the preferred option from the Big 12 if they were only add one so you got Arizona Arizona State, Arizona State then you also have Utah here who is also trying to think about making a decision and I just don't know of anyone here let me let me frame it this way I've not framed it this way yet in all my, in all the days of covering this I don't know of anyone in the Pac-12 since hearing about this Apple deal on Tuesday that likes what they heard have yeah. you guys heard any – whether these teams were actually trying to leave is one thing. Like, I have not heard a peep out of Oregon State, go Beavs, or, you know, whatever, Washington State, some of these smaller schools in this conference. I have not heard them say, yeah, we need to get out. But I've not heard any of these teams try to back up George Klyvakov, try to say, actually, this is pretty good, we're definitely staying. I've not heard a single positive peep out of anybody. I've only heard neutral or negative, neutral or negative. And so we're left at this. I'm sure if uh, you asked USC and UCLA, they'd say, oh, it's a great deal. Y'all have fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're right. We told you so. That's why we were out before you. Colorado's like, yep, we didn't need to hear, hear that deal. We already knew. And so we're left with the very pivotal meeting of that Arizona Board of Regents tonight. There's also another equally pivotal meeting, which is taking place even later. Here's your Pac-12 after dark. <laughs> 9 o'clock Pacific time, Mm. the University of Washington is going to have their Board of Regents meeting, a, quote, special meeting. Yeah, you're you're damn right, (laughs) it's special. Uh, And so that... These these people in their PJs (laughs) in this meeting. I mean, 9 o'clock local time is still pretty late. I mean, it's 11 o'clock for us over here, but 9 o'clock for them is still pretty late. They they don't want a lot of people to know what's going on. This is secretive. Ooh. Uh, it's not going to end up being yeah. secretive. It, it's we. They're like, oh, closed no, doors. Like, Nobody's going to know what we're meeting at. You're meeting at nine o'clock at night. We know right. what you're meeting. We're, about. we're going to go to the Big Ten, and it's going to take days for people to figure this out. If we just meet at nine o'clock, like no one's going to know about this. Mm, we're all going to know instantly, right? Uh, what, what do you think's going on? 
Oh, uh, so I, I need some investigation done. They they had a special meeting because they're not <laughs> happy with how the husky looks in the logo, and they just now <laughs> realized it. Honestly, it wouldn't shock me with the with how it's gone so far if the Pac-12 leadership was just like, oh, nine o'clock meeting, sure. Whatever. Yeah. What George, George Klavkov's like, hey, can I join in on this? What are, they, what are you guys meeting about? Well, you t- yeah. You'll tell you know, me afterwards, Do you right? have a TV deal for us? <laughs> <laughs> Find something like, in the uh, Great like Northwest the, for us? It's like the Longhorn Network. Yeah. Like, U- UW's <laughs> going to do their own thing. Husky it's, Network. Yay. It, you know why they're meeting at 9? It's after George's bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to bed we've at 8.30 sharp every night. We've been <laughs> so mean to this guy that has absolutely nothing to do with our program, but just... We just keep talking about him, and none of it's good. But you know what? He hasn't. And done, it's all his fault. He hasn't done <laughs> yeah. anything. Yeah. To to make give us, him. Yeah. To to make him make us not make fun of. Him. When's the last time I said the Big Ten commissioner's name? Like, when's the last time I said? Have I said the Mountain West commissioner of today recently? No. It's a probably a goat uh, the, or something. The Mountain West. The Mountain West may be the biggest beneficiary out of all of this because, like, I know that the power schools are, right. are going to other power conferences. These smaller conferences might get pieces of formerly Power Five schools. And that's a really big I, deal. I was going to say the any Mountain West school that may have been looking at the Pac-12 is like, mm, maybe not now. Yeah. We'll just yeah. we'll just stay yeah, here because I was thinking about like, what's to say like okay, disaster scenario for the Pac-12, UW and Oregon to the Big Ten, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big Twelve. You're down to four. You got Cal, Stanford. Pack four, baby. You got Cal. It's barely a pack at that point. You got Cal and Stanford, <laughs> and you've got Oregon State and Washington State. It's like a pouch. Get ready you to in, learn Mountain West, buddy. <laughs> you, in theory, could still say, come on, San Diego State, Boise State, Colorado State, SMU, couple others, come join this branded conference. But at that point, you're so small the hassle of coming up with the exit fee, the hassle of now more travel uh, to to join just with the branded Pac-12, that Pac-12 logo won't represent anything anymore. It won't represent all the institutions that made it important. And so they will try to convince these Mountain West schools, and normally it would have been a no-brainer, but you, you still have to pay these exit fees and all these all these things. So if you're the Mountain West, you just say, no, you come on over because you won't have an exit fee because you don't have a TV deal that you sign. You don't, you're not binded in a grant of rights. Like, just you can come on over in 11 months, 10 months, whenever it is. And so the other <laughs> – I haven't even told you the funniest part. I, I think Brooks saw this. I don't know if Brant saw this. Did you see what Breck McMurphy said about the timeline on this? I have not. This is great. Apple gave Pac-12 an ultimatum. <laughs> I did see this. You've got to what? sign the deal by the end of the week or it's off the table. <laughs> Apple. Apple. Apple streaming service. Apple's like, take a bite out of this. You better do it right <laughs> now. holding a gun to your head. Oh, my. Oh, wow. I think my favorite. That's a, that's a humiliating place to be in because, like, you don't want to be streaming only. But what if that's all you have? Like yeah. you're, it's going to be like the 1980s. All you're going to have is just a, an occasional pay per view game. I'm I'm looking forward to 20 years down the line, the 30 for 30. That is just Tim Cook. How Tim Cook orchestrated the rise <laughs> of the new Power Five conference, the Mountain West. <laughs> uh, 
Mountain of Tim or something like that. <laughs> I, you see, again, this on the surface, I, I, I will continue to revert back to this just so my position is clear each and every day. I still do not prefer three conferences of 20, 24 teams, whatever it may be. That is still not my preference. I am not going to abs- – I'm obviously not <laughs> – Shouting from a mountaintop, hey, don't do this. It's going to be absolutely awful and terrible, and I hate everything about it. No, that's not my position either. But my preference is not for this to happen. But then I digress. If it were to happen, the least deserving conference to stay afloat is the Pac-12. That has, again, been the case for a long time. It has been mismanaged unbelievably poorly the last few years. And it's not like it's not like we hate all the teams out there. It's like, no, oh, we, I have nothing no. against... Uh, really, any of the teams. I don't no. really hate any of the teams. Uh, if I if I were to dislike a brand, it'd be USC just because they're a big brand. It's fun to root against big brands sometimes. But I even they, I don't inherently dislike. They've been, I don't want to say irrelevant to me because they had their day and they have their years, and I think they're going to be back with Lincoln Riley in contention just about every year. But they're so even then, I just don't hate them they're fine they're whatever uh i'm not going to bring pom-poms for them but whatever it's kind of it's kind of weird the two schools that have kind of opposed auburn winning national championships in some way oregon and usc i tend to root for those schools like i have not i, I like the, i like both of them yeah don't have a problem whatsoever um uh, and obviously oregon's easier because of the uh, actually beating them but right I mean, yeah but yeah, I just, again, I don't have any clear malice there. And so it's not the individual teams. I don't know how you can say, hate Oregon State <laughs> if you're in this yeah. part of the country. Like, what, what, again, what did the, the most, Beavers do to anybody? Cute, the most inoffensive school, Auburn beat them in the Super Regional two years ago. <laughs> that's my only knowledge. That's my only sure. memory of Oregon State. All they have a chainsaw as a, as they a touchdown do. celebration. It's so cool. Their mascot's the beaver. That's, <laughs> no, it's that's adorable. Turnover. I love that. It's a turnover chainsaw, like the chain, but they run over there. They, they like Turnover chain saw. <laughs> they run over there and like lift it above their head for the crowd. It's like yeah. they're, they're, they're summoning Jason or something. Is it Speaking of chainsaws, is it the Portland Timber yeah. that have yeah, like Portland their Timbers. mascot like cuts a tree down it's, for every it, game they win it, or something? It, no, hold on. It's, it's not a it's, – it's first off – we don't need to speak about the Portland Timbers that much because I'm a Seattle fan. Um, but That's anyway, a rival. Uh, right, right. They for every goal scored, they have just a log there, <laughs> and and it's not their mascot, but it's it's like it, the guy gets assigned it every year. He cuts a piece off of the of the tree and then gives it to the goal scorer for the Portland Timbers. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. I like. So that. like, if you score enough, you could build your own tree inside your house if you wanted. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um. So. Back on track. Anyway, I, I none of that, none of those schools necessarily deserve this from the standpoint of oh, I can't stand them. I want them to be nothing. They do deserve some fault if they get left behind because they drug they, they drug their feet in a sense yeah. too. When when Colorado saw it, look, I I don't I'm not saying they had to do something after US, USC UCLA. That was up to the Pac-12. That was the window where the Pac-12 should have. Got San Diego State, Boise State, throw in two more, do what the Big 12 did to stay afloat. You're not, no one's under the illusion you got stronger after that, but you just stabilized. You just stopped the bleeding. And the Pac 12 didn't. And now they're about to bleed out. And 
it, it, they were like, have you ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? I have indeed. Where yeah. they, they cut the guy's hand, arm off. He's like, oh, I can still take you. It's just a <laughs> flesh, flesh wound. wound. <clears throat> and they eventually cut, you know, cut all his he's, limbs he's off. He's eventually like just a torso. On, yeah, he's like, come on, I can still fight. That's what the Pac-12 has done. Yeah, that's <laughs> what Klyvikov is right now. And so, anyway. The, Every I, Board of Regents meeting <laughs> is another limb cut off. I set this up to say that, again, this could be the night. This could be the night where it's all determined for the Pac-12, both on both fronts, the Big 12 front and the, the Big 10 front. There's this other part of it, which we alluded to yesterday. I, I would say alluded to is, is not strong enough. We did full full flesh this out for a good 15 minutes, about Florida State, about Clemson a little bit, about the ACC. And I was reading from John Talty today, formerly of AL.com, now 247, um, where he had he was reporting that again the SEC is just not that interested uh, in, in in being a part of this. Greg Sankey again. Greg Sankey was at a Cubs <clears throat> game last night. Or <laughs> I don't think they're that? looking at Northwestern. Did y'all for the see? Record. Did y'all see? I did not. Everything see that. was popping off last night. Greg Sankey went on Twitter, posted a picture outside Wrigley Field, said "Go Cubs, go!" What's <laughs> been happening, guys? <laughs> again, I'm telling you. We have heard it straight from his mouth multiple times. They do not want to be an instigator in this. They will add something if they must add something. But they are not calling teams saying, hey, want to join. That is the other teams. That is Florida State right now, who is clearly calling the SEC and Big Ten saying, hey, can we join? And this is interesting from the Big Ten's point of view because they have never thought that they could add – access to the state of Florida. That is interesting to them. Uh, now, geographically, of course, this is weird. But TV-wise, they are nowhere near the South. The South is all against them, and the North is all against the South. <laughs> and it, the SEC country versus Big Ten country. Well, what if you could combine it of sorts and make the state of Florida all of a sudden have something vested, some a vested interest into the Big Ten? So what you're saying is we need to bring the Electoral College into college football. <laughs> and, and Florida State's – and here's the other thing that's important here. Florida State's boosters don't care. They want the money. It's clear they want the money. And there is a bit of this that is a little sad because it is so about the money. And it, I'm not even saying that it has to – like. Money's not important. I'm not trying to preach any of that to you, but I'm saying that getting lost in the shuffle is, hey, you're losing some natural rivalries. Hey, you are going to have travel bills out the yin-yang. You're going to have some situations that are going to be very difficult for you travel-wise and are going to make no sense. Like If Florida State ended up in the Big Ten, it makes no sense that Florida State and Illinois is playing. That's just it, it makes zero sense whatsoever. That, that Florida State, sure there'll be some fun stuff. Florida State, Penn State, great. Florida State, Ohio State, great. Like some of that will be awesome, but at the expense of what? You know, and you lose potential rivalries in the state of Florida. You lose what makes short travel for fans that want to go to a road game. Like what? What? What base does Florida State have in Wisconsin? You know. <laughs> Like, like, ask yourself, even though Florida State is a pretty big brand, like, who in Wisconsin is like, yes, we're coming. We're going to go to the Big Ten. It's going to be great. <laughs> like, that's not what the majority of Florida State fans would say. So, again, I, I'm i not saying that 
oh, we should... I'm not trying to have this big moral spiel, I guess, but I'm just saying that we have, instead of making money an important thing or, or, or the most important thing by a little bit, we've made it the only thing is what some of these schools are, are looking at. And they are looking at the Big Ten can give us 50 to $60 million a year. The ACC can only give us 20-something a year. Screw the lo- loyalty. Screw the rivalries. We don't care. Screw the proximity. We want to go find the money. And because, again, the SEC is, not is according to John Talty, he gave us something interesting. I, let me, I, I promise you, you guys did not read this. So I want to just full fresh. Here you go. I don't read. John Talty is reporting. I never learned how. You're going to grad school. We know you know how to read. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Auburn just lets anybody in. Just just come over. Beating heart, you're in. John Talty is reporting. Here's the schools that the SEC would actually have interest in. This will surprise you. There are three. North Carolina. Checks out. Virginia. Okay. This third one will shock you. Notre Dame. Really? That's what he's reporting would truly move the needle in the SEC office. South Bend. And, of course, Notre Dame just won't do it. Decidedly not a Southeastern <laughs> school. Right, Notre right. Dame just will not, under any circumstance, get into conference, it seems like. They they want to be above all this. If NBC will just give them a paycheck, they're good with it. I want to say, they've got their own TV deal. They, they keep right. cooking over there. Now, again, I want to double-check the figures on what, they were, what they're asking for because they're asking for, I was reported about triple of what they get now. So I want to see what that number is what NBC thinks that number should be. Because, again, we're working on very well-known commodities. We're working on 50 to $60 million figures for the SEC and Big Ten schools. We're working in the 30s with Big 12 schools, and we know Florida State, the ACC, they're in the 20s right now, and we know the Pac-12 uh, has monopoly you know, cards, or they, they have – they have fake money, in other words. I know Monopoly money is usually used to say, oh, they have all the money in the world. No, they literally have Monopoly money right now. They, they have absolutely nothing of, of real value. They've written legal tender, <laughs> but it's in Sharpie. <laughs> uh, Except this. <laughs> <laughs> Just tr- trust us. <laughs> so They have IOUs. <laughs> is there... Is there the, the argument from Talty was why the ones. SEC was interested more in North Carolina? And I'm serious. This is what he was saying. Again, you could say I don't believe this, or this is this is not this is not how I think of this. Uh, but they they really said the SEC has more interest in North Carolina and Virginia than they do in Florida State and Clemson, simply because of the markets. That was their that was their pitch. They are already in both those states. They are obviously in Florida with Florida, and they are in South Carolina with you called it South Carolina. Uh, and so they are just simply wanting to get in two more populated states with North Carolina and Virginia. From, I think it's obvious here what, what the points are. I've been talking a lot. So, guys, again, it, do you buy that? It, it, does that make sense to you? Or are you purely, no, it's got to be Florida State and Clemson. I, I buy it as in getting into two markets is intriguing. And I think North Carolina and the two van- – the. What the two Virginia <laughs> Vanderbilt? Yeah, the two Virginia <laughs> oh, <no>. schools. <laughs> I, we're the adding SEC, more. The SEC is not interested in another Vanderbilt. <laughs> Let me make that very clear. No, I, I think uh, because it's not like the SEC is has just this hard and fast rule of you can only have one school in each state. I don't think they would say no if Florida State and Clemson came knocking. But it does make sense to me that like if they were going to actively pursue something they would try and stick to new markets. Uh, Notre Dame is an interesting one because, as Brooks very well put it, decidedly not in the Southeast for the Southeastern Conference. Right. And, you know, I've 
I've always been a fan of geography, so I kind of want <laughs> I kind of want those lines to kind of make sense. But I mean, it, it would as you see media days in Indianapolis. Goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. So, well, nothing screams that southeast right next Conference door like to Big Ten media days because they are they're always in Indianapolis too. <laughs> yeah. Let's see who gets more media members. Who gets they, the uh, bigger hotel? They get a group state. rate and they just do it in the same place. <laughs> So, any, Brooks, any thoughts on, on North Carolina, Virginia versus Clemson, Florida State? I mean, obviously, the you know you, you look at them. You I, like I'm 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 the same uh, cart as Brant. Uh, I think if Clemson and Florida State came to the SEC, much like Texas and Oklahoma did, the SEC would listen and they would consider it. Um, I, I do think that it, it's a very good point that they're already in those markets. And, uh, you know, you could argue in both of those markets or you can argue in both of those states um, you're, you've got arguably the bigger brand too, because University of Florida may, I don't know what the, what the Florida, the Florida split is. And I don't know what the South Carolina split is. I feel like South Carolina, the University of South Carolina may have a few more fans than Clemson, but it could, you know, it, it may be one of those fan, ba- you know, states that fluctuates who's better, has more outspoken fans and fans that are going to make their, their, uh, allegiances known more. Um, and so you get in North Carolina, um, although, you know, you've got the SEC network headquarters is already in Charlotte. South Carolina has a big fan base in the Charlotte area. And so it's not like you need North Carolina for that Charlotte area, but getting up the rest of the Carolinas, the Raleigh area, the Asheville area, you would, uh, you'd get more, um, with North Carolina, Virginia, you could reach DC with some Virginia, with, with Virginia, Virginia tech. And so that would be big. Plus you reach up toward, you know, the Eastern seaboard. I can see it. Notre Dame is a bit huge brand in, you know, in football and they've got fan uh, fans across the nation. It, it's not a, you know, they're in Indiana, but it's not like all their fans are in Indiana. They've got they've got a nationwide fan base. It, it's huge. I know people from South uh, South Baldwin County that went to Notre Dame for school. So there's people all over the country that go to school at Notre Dame. It's it, it's a huge fan base. So I could see how they would be interested. Um, I don't like I said or you guys said it. Uh, the the SEC is is uh, not going to go out and try to do what these other conferences are doing and try to grab other people real quick. They're, they, I, I think Greg Sankey means it when he said it at Media Days the last two years. They're not interested in going out and being the the uh, people that go out to expand to expand. If people come to them, they will listen to those concerns. Um, I think, here's what I think we should do. For the upcoming college football season, just put a rest to the expansion for the next 10 years. Every <laughs> out-of-conference game... The conference that wins it, that team that lost has to join their conference. Auburn goes to Cal. Auburn beats Cal. Cal's in the SEC next year. I don't think the SEC wants any part of the Cal. (laughs) You want imperialism is what you want. Yeah, unless Oregon's at Texas Tech. This is how you say the Pac-12. Oregon goes down, beats Texas Tech. Now you got Texas Tech in your conference. I think by that... Klavikov's in. He's he's just like, (laughs) yes. I think by that method yes. Auburn would be in the ACC and so would Oregon and Washington my favorite one I was looking at this earlier because I, I just wanted to make the joke so bad my favorite one would be that the Mount West still has a chance to grab Oregon State because <laughs> Oregon State's um, two out of conference games are uh, two big out of conference games are at San Jose State and against San Diego State so the Mount West has a chance to grab a Pac-12 school still <laughs> 
I have so many more points I can make. We've got to take a next break, though. Uh, I can just make them a later day because this is going to keep being news until it's not. And Except there's probably tomorrow. Big decisions <laughs> to be made. There was a tweet from Pete Thamel. Sources, any potential changes in the Big Ten are not expected to impact Notre Dame's view on independence. No, I don't. Nothing ever will. Shocking. I like independence. It's America right there. 1776. Anyway, we're going to go to our next break. When we come back, we're going to play that Hugh Freeze audio that will pretty much wrap up the hour, have a quick word after that. But again, the Hugh Freeze press conference audio, not quite in its entirety, but the majority of it coming up next. on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. To you, so I mean, obviously, very excited day for us to um, kick off 2023 season. And I know it's uh, you know spring practice is important, and going through summer training is is vital, and recruiting is is a priority. Um, but now it all kind of gets to the point where you have to put all those pieces together and and find out how your team handles the pressure and the heat of. Uh, of being strained and stressed in um, a great game that we all love and, and try to prepare yourself to compete at the uh, best level you can for the 12 opportunities that you have. And that, in my mind, is is what fall camp is preparing us for. And uh, so everything kind of culminates with, with this. And we had a good kickoff last night and um, excited to get on the field this morning. and. And, um, you know, see hopefully, you know, one of our themes that uh, I'm trying to teach throughout this camp is this idea that, um, you know, my favorite definition of commitment is uh, it is an obligation that restrains my freedom of action. And people don't like that, but that's what true commitment really is from a football team or to, to your family or – but. If we handle it the right way, it really restricts our, our freedom of, of, uh, of action because we're concerned with what is best for the other. And so as we you know, go through our teaching series and, and obviously practice, we're uh, excited to kind of see how we handle all of the uh, mental and physical toughness that we must pledge to each other to have uh, through this game. And our commitment to each other so excited about the summer that we had with Dom I think we're uh, bigger and stronger look better um, and believe like I've said many times to you guys I believe we have improved the Auburn football team through recruiting what does that mean as far as closing the gap on the uh, the guys in this conference I, I don't know yet but we're excited to find out uh Coach, is Jarquez Hunter back at practice, and are you expecting him to be available for game one? 
Um, you know, I want to. I'll say this again. I, I think, and and this is. I, I understand the question, but matters related to um, you know team rules and procedures, they're handled internally, and it will not be discussed publicly. You've got over twenty scholarship players that weren't out in the spring. Uh, just can talk about the timetable and, and how long it's going to take to try to evaluate them and figure where they fit. Well, that's, that is the most uncomfortable. I, this is probably Kirk on our way down asked me, man, how excited are you about, you know, fall camp? And I said, this is the most uncomfortable uh, fall camp I'm going into. And it's because of the, the, the new world. And obviously we've, I mean, we have players that we added after spring ball. One's a quarterback, and I haven't coached him a single practice, and everybody's asking, what do you think? I have no idea. And, and so I, it makes me uh, feel a little bit uh, anxious that I feel like I may be behind um, in our evaluation of, of who we are and what we can do, and, and so and maybe we are. Um, that's, a, that's a feeling I have to battle, um, and I'm ready to get it you know, on the field and try to, to see what's accurate. Am I, are we really behind in our evaluation because we have so many new faces and they're learning a new system and um, are, are, is it okay and we're, we're on track? And um, so I don't know if I answered your question very well, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an uncomfortable feeling. But um, I think with the, the new rules as they are um, to rebuild a roster, um, we did the right thing, and and now we've got to go and, and hurry up and catch up if, if we are behind in, in our evaluation of everything. Uh, talk about the uncertainty with Peyton, um, but you you know him. You've, you've talked to him. You've spent a lot of time with him in the last few months. Talk to me about your relationship with him and what you've kind of gleaned about him so far. Uh, it's impossible for you not to visit with Peyton because he demands it. <laughs> I mean, it's like um, I'm on my phone every day. Hey, Coach. You got any free time today? Hey, coach, you got any free time today? And um, he's uh, and I love that about him. And and so yes, I've I feel very comfortable with who he is and his leadership and his desire and his preparation and his football IQ. Um, but you got to make plays, and I haven't seen that yet. And 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 truthfully, uh, I'm excited about the competition between he and and Robbie and, and Holden. So I think it's going to make them all better. You just think the competition at wide receiver has ramped up dramatically too. Just, what are you looking for out of those guys early on? Because, you know, that's probably one of the spots without pads that you can kind of glean a little bit from the newcomers that you hadn't seen on the field so far. Yeah, the um, well, we, we needed to overhaul that room and improve it for sure. Um, oh, I say that, and, and truthfully, I don't know, our, the evaluation sample was so small for most of them because this system is totally different than what they've played in. And we've got to have those guys have production. And so I do think we've improved that room in recruiting and I do think there are guys here that can be better than what they've shown. And we're excited to see, I, I think we've seen glimpses of that. Um, but now we've got to go and, and do it when it's real and live. and. Um, but we are excited about the fact that I think we've improved that room for sure. You, you've talked in media days about sort of the long-term plan for the quarterbacks in, in fall camp. Here in these first few practices, what are you kind of looking for from them as you guys get underway? Well, create pressure in adverse situations and see how they respond. And, 
you know, are they evaluating the, the coverages correctly and is the ball going to the right spot and is the decision to stay with the run or get into the RPO, the pass off of that, um, I won't, you know, all of those things will be evaluated. And who, who does the team really rally around the most? And, you know, Monty and I and, and Kent sat down and I think we have a really good plan of the rotation um, between those three guys and they're all going to rotate for the first five practices pretty evenly amongst the ones and twos and threes and we'll evaluate all those reps and then kind of recalibrate, I guess the word, and, and uh, sit down and kind of go from there after the first five. On that same notion of recruiting, some would say that here in the SEC, it's a different ball game when you enter that and add in recruiting, NIL, transfer portal, and it seemed like you've had immediate success. How do you feel that you've adjusted in the short amount of time with all of that said and getting this team prepared? And what's been the ultimate challenge getting back into this? Um, I've always felt like, um, I want this to sound the right way, that I, I was pretty decent at recruiting and that I had a good plan and a good plan for the staff. And so I'm not really shocked that, and I think it's easy to recruit to Auburn. Um, I mean, this is one of the elite programs in the country. Maybe we haven't had the production in the last few years that, uh, that is expected. Um, I wasn't here, I don't know. And, um, and so I, I'm not really surprised that you can recruit at Auburn. Um, how have I adjusted to the new college football world? It, I'm still adjusting, truthfully. It's, uh, it's different. And um, you're in conversations all the time with uh, your administration and your people and uh, with Rich and John and, and, and compliance and, and trying to, hey, man, what is the best way? I, I'm open to advice to, to manage this new world of... Uh, and then, you know, I work hard at managing our locker room, and that's difficult because, um, you know, I'm a relational coach. I think that's one of the reasons that uh, we've had success at most places I've been. And it's, uh, it's a, you know, you wonder, does my way still work? And we're getting ready to find out. And, and that's uh, – so I'm still adjusting to, to, to all the new things that are a part. But I'm not a complainer, and there's no need in complaining. You don't control it. And – it is what it is, and some of it I like, some of it I don't. And uh, but we've got to we've got to handle it and and be the best at it that we can be. Coach, with this being your first fall camp at Auburn, I know you said you were a little uncomfortable going into it. But what are you really trying to emphasize to all of your players during this fall camp? Um, the commitment it takes to win today. Um, truthfully, it's it's really that simple to me. Is do do we have that toughness, the mental and physical toughness through the commitment that we've declared we, we have and to win today and then stack the days from today to tomorrow to the next day to the next day. And that is the secret sauce and the team that can do. Listen, most people in life, in my opinion, and, and I'm guilty of this too at times, we, 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 uh, we're, we find a way to be consistent, but maybe we're really not committed. And unfortunately, when the reveal party happens, it's a little bit too late in this game. When you find out on the, when, the, when, when it gets real and, oh, heck, he was just consistent. He really wasn't committed on fourth and one. And, it's, and it gets revealed. And I want as few of those surprises as we can do. And so we've got to create an environment through fall camp that 
hopefully gives us as much information as we can have so that uh, we don't get that, uh, that shock at the, the reveal party of game one or game two or game three and, and we truly find out you know, who is, who's truly committed to winning today and doing things the right way. It's about as, uh, I think they sent out a tweet this morning that I said last night is about as simple as I can put it is you have to behave as a champion before you can become one. And that's everything from nutrition to your locker room, to your timely manner, to the way you dress, to the way you talk, to the way you're, you think. And that's why our theme's kind of been flipped the script to, of, of the way we think and approach things. So I know that was a long answer, but I hope I answered it. Coach, players have made comments this offseason about you being able to bring fun back to Auburn football. Uh, how have you been able to do that, and you know what kind of advantage does that create for you going into fall camp? Well, I hope they still say that a week from now. I mean, you know, that it, um, it's – well, I believe in whatever you do in life, there should if, – if you're truly walking in what you love to do and what you're gifted to do, there should be some joy and, and fun in that. Um, and I know we live in a world that wants us to win every game, and, um, you know, uh, that's probably not reality, that you're going to win every game. Very few do. If you look at, at, at the culture of our sport, very few win them all. And um, we want to, and we're certainly going to try, but I do think there should be part of being the Auburn experience and being an Auburn man and, and is the fact that I think – this place has done a nice job, and I want to continue it, of young men that have gone through our program that 10 to 15 to 20 years still have this, this affection for this place because of the experience that we had here. And that experience is, is much more than just the 12 opportunities you have in a fall. And so I hope that uh, I, they will continue to say, man, uh, Coach, is, uh, he's positive. He has a a good vibe about him. He's fun to be around, and even when it's stressful and and difficult, and 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 truthfully, I will tear them down some during this camp, not intentionally and not not with some mean spirited part, but you you will break people down because I think you know after you have failed is when you really can have great success because you learn from those things, and so. But I do think I have the ability to immediately bring them back up to once they've had a bad day or a bad practice or bad reps. I don't think they will ever think, well, he's thrown in the towel on me. And so hopefully, you know, what they're feeling will continue. Coach, what can you say about the rest of the running back room if the Jarquez uncertainty continues and the rest of the running backs are called to action? Uh, I love our running back room in spring and um, excited about, you know, adding uh, Cobb and Batie and you know, I, I think um, I think we've got good players there. I think Damari has been like one of the best leaders on our team this entire summer and um, and spring, and excited about his leadership in that room. Uh, the pass rushers, the Jacks, had a lot of attention in the spring. You guys added some more after spring race. What are you looking for from those guys, especially early on in fall camp? Yeah, I'm really that's that's a that's a position that I'm really excited about. The new guys, you know, I, I just. Um, Elijah is an incredible, incredible human being and incredible leader. Um, he sets a great tone for our defense and in the locker room, just being around him makes people better. And, uh, but man, adding, you know, Sings and Jalen to that room, you know, I think gave us some pop and some 
explosiveness that we we needed some more of. It used to be you you added stress by three practices a day doing all these. How do how do you do that in in this world? Stress guys and push them. Can you give us a little insight into how those things are accomplished now? Uh, have- I think it's still the same way. You just don't have as many opportunities, and and um, and probably it's not as stressful physically. But the mental aspects of 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 the way you prepare and the way you practice are still there. And obviously, we have them a, a long time in the film room when you're not in school, and you have these ten or twelve days before we start school. I mean, we've got a lot of opportunities to to strain them and stress them through, you know, who's going to do the little things the right way because how you do one thing is really how you're going to do everything at some point. And so Dom will have them sometime, nutrition will have them, and, and obviously how they rest is important. But we'll create stress in practice and then in the film room also with, guys, this is the film never lies, and we have to own whatever's on it. Coaches also will stress coaches. I mean, because the old saying is you either coach it or you allow it. If it's on the film, we, are you coaching it that way or are we allowing it? And we've got to, we've got to fix it if it's, if it's not the way, if it's not being done the way we're coaching it. Uh, yes, you, um, you mentioned um, at SC Media Days that you'd like to cut your quarterback race from three to two after about 10 days. When would you like to get it down to one? Do you like to do it right before the season or give the team maybe a couple of weeks to work with them? Yeah, I don't have a – I don't know um, on that yet. But I do think you've got to get it down from three to two uh, fairly quick and give yourself two and a half, three weeks to to um, to find out who, you know, we're gonna, you're going to roll out there. And um, I'm not sure we can't win games with – with several of them. And that's how, I mean, I know everybody, we're all concerned about that room, and I get that. I totally get it. Um, but I'm at the same time very cautiously, cautiously optimistic that we could win some football games with several of those guys. And so, you know, how that plays out and who, heck, we may, you know, it may be three games into the season before we really know this is, this is absolutely the guy we got to roll with when it's crunch time, but I hope it's not that, but it could be. Is it safe to say that you maybe don't feel like you have to have a bona fide starter going into game one at quarterback? Well, we'll have a starter. You know, does it remain bona fide? Show me the stats from from game one. And, um, you know, it's, it comes down to, you know, how's the quarterback judged? His quarterback is judged by how the team plays around him and his win-loss record. And... Um, Obviously, if you're superior to your opponent at some point, that can be misleading. So you have to you have to dig a little deeper and see how he's how he really performed with what he's asked to do. And um, you know, I mean, we obviously will have a starter for game one, and it will be his at that point to to take and run with. Or obviously, we're not going to sit there if we're sputtering. And when I think we have other kids that can play, so. Uh, but we'll we'll have a starter game one. Yeah, you just added Senda the other day. Are you finished adding players for the twenty three roster? Well, I will never answer that with the definitive. Do I think so at this point? Yes, but heck, I don't I don't know. I'm, I mean, this new world. I get I get kind of surprised all the time in this new world, and, and so I, I just uh, I would hesitate to ever put myself in a box where you thought I misled you or something. So I think we are at this point, but I would never say never on that. 
That was head coach Hugh Freeze today with uh, Auburn football fall practice starting. Uh, those were the majority of his comments. Again, want to stress that that was not everything. You go check it out on YouTube. Auburn Tigers uh, posted the whole thing, but that was the majority. That was certainly all the highlights from that fall presser today to open up fall practice. Again, we are about out of time here for hour number two. Had a lot of severe thunderstorm warnings and watches have been going off in the last few minutes, so we apologize uh, for those trying to listen on the ambient signal. But, of course, you can continue to listen on the Tiger Communications app and the website, thetiger.fm. We are out of time for hour number two. Coming up in hour number three, we will have more from fall practice with Sports Calls 5 at 5. Brought to you by Southeastern Land Group. And then coming up a little bit after that, a preview of Mississippi State football as we do 14 SEC teams in 13 shows. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy. I've got Brooks Childress and Brant Dauntry still with me. You just heard, hopefully, most of the Hugh Freeze press conference from earlier today. Again, we apologize. We obviously cannot help the weather. If you're listening on the uh, normal uh, signal, then you've heard multiple severe thunderstorm warnings and watches. And so, again, got to stay clear of all of that. But... Uh, also, again, I know that is being uh, disrupted several different times to what we've been talking about, but that is okay. So, again, we just uh, aired the Hugh Freeze presser. Again, you can, uh, or at least the majority of it, you can check that out on YouTube or hear the part that we aired on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. But now we want to move on in the show a little bit and get to Sports Call's 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you are looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334 
524-2756, or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273, or find them at selandgroup.com. All right, Sports Calls 5 at 5. Today we're going to do the five uh, or five storylines from fall camp, so let's start it off right now. Number one. All right, number one is Jarquez Hunter. And, of course, that story continues with still no real closure. I guess an update of sorts today with him not practicing, but we still don't know the full full extent of what there could be punishment-wise. We don't know if the investigation is completely closed yet or not. Uh, Of course, that was going to be a big storyline and Again, it was asked of Hugh Freeze, but uh, no real answer there. And so we continue to wait. But uh, Jarquez Hunter was not at practice today for the beginning of fall practice. Number two. So number two is going to be the uh, quarterback plan. Three, two to one. So that is obviously a, another big story with this actual roster. And that is that Auburn is going to start with a three-person race officially. They've got Robbie Ashford and Peyton Thorne, as we are aware, but also going to involve Holden Gurner in that. We got to see them throw a little bit, but, uh, again, we uh, have really not been able to see enough to really have strong opinions on that. I know, Brooks, uh, you joked Robbie Ashford got the first official snap of the pace period that we were watching and then Peyton Thorne got several, Ashford got several, Gurner got several. Uh, it went uh, so on and so forth. But uh, still no uh, big... Uh, Overreact big, as you will. Yeah, no <laughs> no big takeaways from that. Saw a couple throws. Again, we still ultimately expect this to become a Robbie Ashford versus Peyton Thorne battle. And, uh, again, that plan is about 10 days worth of a three-person race getting down to two, and then eventually to one. There will be a starter name. Hugh Freeze was uh, purposeful in saying that. There will be one starter name to the first game, but then it's up to them to hold that spot throughout. Number three. Number three is Hugh Freeze's comment on recruiting to Auburn. This is something that uh, struck me a little bit. Obviously, we've talked a lot about recruiting the last few weeks, and it's been very Uh, important for the Tigers to get back on top of to be able to get some of their stronger classes in here in the next couple of years. Hugh Freeze had this to say when talking about recruiting to Auburn, quote, I think it's easy to recruit to Auburn. This is one of the elite programs in the country. Maybe we haven't had the production over the last few years that is expected. I wasn't here. I don't know. But I'm not surprised that you can recruit to Auburn. We're also not surprised Auburn's had several top ten classes under Gus Malzahn and Gene Chizik. Uh, and so uh, Hugh Freeze and company trying to right the ship in the recruiting world. And, again, Hugh Freeze very aware of the capabilities and the ability to recruit to Auburn. Number four. No significant injuries entering camp, uh, according to Hugh Freeze. A couple guys limited, such as Brian Batty, and a few less uh, reps for Jair Shorter today. But he said, again, the Tigers were blessed that uh, no significant injuries, no one really uh, that much of or at least a no-go. Obviously, Jarquez Hunters is not injury-related. So on the injury front, Auburn with nothing significant over the offseason coming into camp pretty healthy. Number five. And number five, uh, this quote got taken, made some of the rounds in the national media, that Hugh Freeze just a little more anxious, a little more nervous than normal coming into fall camp with basically he was 
kind of referring to the more than anything just the new players that were didn't even get to see in spring ball because they committed after the fact including the quarterback Peyton Thorne of Michigan State so uh, kind of the roster construction period is now longer and more of it takes place after spring especially if you're like Auburn and, and needed to bring in a lot of different transfers uh, because of all the roster turnover and just the lack of, of depth and quality numbers over the last couple of years. So Hugh Freeze just feeling a little bit more nervous, a little bit more anxious than ever before coming into his first year at Auburn. Big opportunity, obviously, for him. Big program. And, again, all that roster turno- turnover and kind of culminating in a little more anxiety for Coach Freeze. But we saw him out there, and uh, he looked just as normal as ever, I would say, uh, trying to coach him up there in the, the period we saw. That is Sports Calls 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Again, five stories to watch out from fall camp. Jarquez Hunter, the ability to recruit to Auburn, the quarterback plan, the injury front looking good, and a little bit of anxiousness from Coach Hugh Freeze in his first year on the Plains. We're going to take our first time out here of the third and final hour. When we come back, we'll preview Mississippi State football as we get set. We continue to do 14 SEC programs in 13 days. We'll look at what the path ahead is for the Mississippi State Bulldogs right after this. To the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Brooks Childress, Brant Dontry with you here on this Thursday. Again, uh, another severe thunderstorm warning during the break. This one is for Lee County, including Auburn University. So if you are out there driving, just tuning in, or if you're listening on the app or something else, again, there is severe thunderstorm warning for really most of Lee County, Auburn, Opelika, even out to Smith Station. So again, um, don't have to if you don't have to travel uh get inside and uh again there will be a decent thunderstorm rolling through in just a little bit that's why we've heard constant warnings but we continue on with the show today and let's get into mississippi state football we previewed vanderbilt and missouri yesterday tomorrow we will preview florida mississippi state first year uh, for zach arnett of course he was the defensive coordinator took over for now the late mike leach in the bowl game and they had a very low-scoring game against Illinois and a Big Ten-like game. They were able to defeat Illinois 19-10 in Zach Arnett's first game as interim, Then they made him the permanent head coach after that. Looking at the schedule this year, they'll get into it pretty quickly after they uh, should defeat Southeastern Louisiana. They got an interesting one against Arizona. It was an Arizona team that they throttled last year, but then – 
host LSU at South Carolina, host Alabama, then a Western Michigan game in a bye week before they're at Arkansas, at Auburn, host Kentucky, at Texas A&M, host Southern Miss before they play Ole Miss. So Mississippi State make the Mississippi rounds there at the end of the year. But uh, pretty interesting format to it because Southern Miss is probably – uh, their second toughest non-con game, and that's before the Ole Miss game. And, of course, that's going to be a short week for them. So that's interesting if Southern Miss has any teeth whatsoever this year. And then Arizona, again, a team that they had really no problems with, beat by three scores last year. But, again, things can change. And a uh, different day there at Mississippi State. They are picked uh, narrowly seventh in the Western Division. And – Again, not a whole lot is expected out of this team, although it was 9-4 and four last year. And Will Rogers is returning. A lot of offensive starters, not many defensive starters, though. So, guys, what is your outlook for Mississippi State this year? If this was a normal offseason for Mississippi State, I would say that this is a team that could threaten with 10 wins, legitimately. I, because they had nine last year. They get a lot of their production back. Uh, the guys that weren't starters last year are upperclassmen this year and they contributed last year. Uh, they're, they return, like you said, the most important piece of that offense in Will Rogers. They get most of their offensive line back. I think four out of five starters uh, are coming back, and the guy who was not a starter last year was did play in some games. So it, pretty much everybody in that offense that's important is back. Um, but I, I, prefaced it, I prefaced this with a caveat, normal offseason. This was the furthest thing from a normal offseason possible uh, for a college football team. And Mississippi State has done everything they can to to do the right things, and I think they did make the right decision in hiring Zach Arnett full time, get bringing a guy who knows the locker room already, and kind of come through this thing together. I I want Mississippi State to do well. Um, I just don't know if they will. The schedule is not exceptionally tough. It's a standard SEC schedule. Um, I think they should beat Arizona in their non-con. That, that stretch of LSU at South Carolina and Alabama is kind of brutal. Then you get Western Michigan, which should be easy, and then a bye week, which obviously you can't lose the bye week. Um, and then at Arkansas and at Auburn. Then you host Kentucky. Then you're at Texas A&M. That's, that's a brutal middle of the season for Mississippi State. And honestly, if they lost all of those games except for the Western Michigan game, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I think that they could very well lose, what is that, five of their middle six so I think that I think that Mississippi State's looking at a tough season for for no other reason than just it's kind of tumultuous over there right now. And I hope that Zach Arnett can pull things together and win some of those games. But I, my hopes are just not very high for them this year. Um, <clears throat> I, I think we you know, uh, I spoke a couple weeks ago when we did our uh, our over unders. I said that the Arizona, uh, could be a threat to beat uh, Mississippi State. I still think that that could be a, a trap game there as you get ready for LSU the next week. I think what keeps uh, Mississippi State, we heard it a couple times at SEC Media Day, is what keeps Mississippi State out of the out of uh, a lot of trouble is the quarterback, Will Rogers. He's yeah. one of the most um, one of the most veteran quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he's he's been there for a couple years now. Um, I know there's uh, you know a lot of people that uh, putting him above. Uh, a guy like KJ Jefferson in the in the rankings for quarterbacks at SEC Media Days in the in the voting, um, I think he's a good quarterback. Uh, he's he he can help. He uh, a good quarterback can solve a lot of problems. 
uh, and and I think that Mississippi State. I don't think they have a lot of problems, but I'm still skeptical on on Arnett leading this team, uh, just because it's you know it's so sudden and everything. I I I do like their their offense. The the thing that worries me is you know he's a defensive coach and they only have four de- returning defensive starters. That that's the big thing that worries me, and especially in a in a league and a conference that continues to look more and more at the offensive numbers. Uh, continue to climb. You've got LSU, Alabama, South Carolina's got a good offense. Arkansas, Arkansas's offense. You're you're looking at you know it, it's going to change this year. That can are they still going to be able to score points a lot? Auburn's going to a, a better high power offense this year. Uh, Kentucky can score. Texas A&M. You've got the potential of scoring. You know Miss Ole Miss can score. And so there there's a bunch of teams that you're going up against this year that that have the capability of scoring the football a lot of times during a foot and during game. Um, I, I think that they're they're going to take a step back. They went what nine and four last year uh, with the with that bowl game win over uh, Illinois down there in, in Tampa. I, I think they 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 take a slight step back. I think seven wins is probably what you're looking at here. It, you know, it, it six wins, seven wins is what you're looking at. Um, I think the pivotal games are going to be that Auburn game. Uh, because it's on the road, I think that Arkansas game is going to be a very pivotal game. I, you know, there, there's some games in the SEC that you're just like, I don't think they can win. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I, I have trouble seeing those first three SEC games: LSU, South Carolina, Alabama. The, I mean, obviously the easiest one to play there is South Carolina, but with the momentum coming off last year uh, from from Spencer Rattler and that South Carolina team, would not be shocked if they lost that game, especially because it's in Columbia. And then, you know, you look at the rest of the schedule. Like I said, that Arkansas, that Alabama game, or that Arkansas and Auburn game are going to be very, very pivotal. Uh, and then, depending on how Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Kentucky look this year, I, I don't know. You, you may can grab one or one win out of that. Maybe you can grab two wins out of that uh, little that last stretch. Um, they've got to they've win the non-conference. They've got to go in. And, you know, obviously you've got Southeast Louisiana. You've got Western Michigan. You've got Southern Miss. Those are games that you, you should win. Arizona, you looked how they they played them last year. Uh, you, you should probably win that game. Uh, but again, like I said, I, I'm I'm throwing it in as a toss up this year. But if if you're Mississippi State, yeah, if you're Mississippi State, you're at home. You need to you need to win that game. I, I think they're bowl they're a bowl team this year. Um, it, it's just I, I again the thing that worries me the most is, with uh, this team is Zach Arnett. Uh, on the defense side of the ball, and you're replacing a big majority of your starter de- starting defense from last year. So, I think that last point there, the defensive side of the ball, is going to be very interesting. Now, I can I can pitch you something that's interesting about the offense. I will do that in just a second. But you lose seven starters on defense. That is well above average, even in this day and age where we're having all, a bunch of players transfer. Again, remember, a lot of the transfers are still not starters. That's just it's the the lack of patience from second and third team guys that is still most prevalent. I'm not saying starters don't, but by a large part, you're not going to be ravished with four or five transfers out of your starting alignment. But they had some seniors that obviously were gone, and so with only four back. Off a defense that was fine last year, like it was improving. If you look at the other Leach teams, it was its best defensive team since Mullen was there in 2018, and it was, or I guess still Moorhead at that point. I'm sorry, Uh, but 23.1 points a game last year, 346 yards a game, 
was fine. Again, Mississippi State not not blessed with as much talent as some other SEC schools. So I can live with that at the end of the day. But what if that number gets up in the upper 20s this year? What if that approaches 27, 28, 29 points? Will Mississippi State run the offense efficiently enough? Because, again, I have still not heard, other than Mississippi State will run more, what their passing concept would be like. Will it be – I don't think it'll be full-fledged air raid, but will it still remain somewhat that playbook with just some more runs? Will it be a completely different style with new passing concepts? Like, what what exactly are we doing with will will excuse me with Will Rogers this year? Because he is, in my opinion, still one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC system or not doesn't matter. I mean, he is very good with that system. Thirty-five TDs to eight picks last year. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. The 68% completion percentage, sure, that's part of the system. You don't have to be enticed by that if you don't want to be. But uh, a lot of people are still high on their starting running back this year when they do hand it off more to Jaquavius Marks. He and Dylan Johnson were 1A and 1B last year. Jaquavius Marks did lead the team in, in rushing, almost 600 yards rushing with nine TDs, nine TDs for an air raid team with one running back, not horrible. And he also was tied for second with Dylan Johnson, in catches last year, had 48 catches. So we know he's a complete back. He, he will be a helpful back. It will not uh, be a bad thing for them to run the ball. I think their offense can still be productive, whether they pass a little bit more or end up balanced at the end of the, at the, end of the day. But it's that Zach Arnett factor. Zach Arnett, you might like him as a D coordinator, but we know that coordinators do not typically pan out well. And I'll even give you this, and maybe this is unfair, but – I tell you what, it seems like a lot of the defensive coordinators, for the most part, are struggling right now. Now, obviously not Kirby Smart, obviously not Nick Saban. They've kind of perfected what they've done. But if you're looking at the guys that were big-time defensive coordinators as of late, those are the guys struggling. Look at Brent Venables at Oklahoma. Maybe he'll write the ship. Maybe it will be just fine. Fine. I'm not writing him off after one year. I don't think anyone should be completely written off after one year. But Brent Venables was, in my opinion, as good of a defense coordinator as there was. That was an as bad of a Oklahoma year as it was last year. Jeremy Pruitt was a really good defensive coordinator. I thought it was pretty clear he was. He was not great at Tennessee, even with McDonald's bags and all. Okay, and then you have a more classic example, a little bit older, of Will Muschamp. I respect the hell out of Will Muschamp defenses as a coordinator. He is not a good head coach. That has been proven. It is he's just not. Uh, and twice. he did, yeah, twice <laughs> over. Um, so, although you can say, well, yeah, but Kirby Smart and all that, yeah, but the other bright minds didn't get it. And obviously, Smart has the Nick Saban part of it too, working under him for a long period of time. It seems like this is an offensive game. We're talking about someone like Lincoln Riley, who's perfected offense. We're talking about teams that are looking to find more creative ways of playing offensive football. And, and and so all these 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 things. So I I I just I just don't love the makeup of that and the semantics of that with Mississippi State. They had to do it. This is not a criticism of what they did. They went through an impossible situation. No one will blame them if they go three and nine this year. It's absolutely just awful. We all get it. And it Arnett will be there a couple of years because of that. I mean, they, if they went three and nine this year as bad as it be, he'd still be there next year, and we'd get that too. They will have to move on at some point if, if you do that. But, again, we all get this element to it. Uh, so back to the schedule part of it and their hierarchy in the SEC. 
Again, I think that one of the things about their schedule this year is that their East games are doable. We all respect South Carolina to a degree. We all are starting to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit to (laughs) a degree. But that's still not something that's just not possible. Okay, Now, it is in Williams-Brice Stadium, and so that makes it more difficult. That is a clearly a, a tough environment in this league. But from a talent perspective, Mississippi State is not that far behind South Carolina. And then Mississippi State hosts Kentucky the beginning of November. Again, talent perspective, Mississippi State is in the same ballpark. They may not be exactly even with Kentucky with what Stoops has done year after year. But again, Mike Leach was a quality head coach and was getting great players in, or getting solid players into a great system. And so I, I, I think there's still some stuff there. I don't think Mississippi State is barren. How they recruit will be interesting the next year or two, Zach Arnett. How, how it's a whole new challenge for him. But the moral of the story is their East games, there's nothing in the East that says just absolutely no chance win. For Mississippi State, the absolutely no chance win games are LSU and Alabama, which are at home, and then they're still tough games. I'm not saying like you should go just thinking that A and M is going to be a great opportunity for Mississippi State. It's it's not a great opportunity. It's an opportunity. Um, the problem for them is I gave you the good part. The problem for them is while there's not a lot of just not possible games. There's only two of them. They don't play Georgia. Not even out of Tennessee, which I might go ahead and give to the Vols. They're games that feel. 40 to 40 60 in their favor or almost 50 50 in their favor or on the road at arkansas at auburn i mentioned south carolina those are games that if they were at home they'd have respectable chances they might even be favored depending on what's going on in the year but having to go to auburn who is picked six in the west yeah you're having to go to the team that's picked right above you that doesn't help you out in that scenario i think arkansas was picked fifth the team right above Auburn. That doesn't help you out that you have to go there instead of get to host them. So the reality is, while there's nothing, there's not much on the schedule where I just disqualify them from, if you're Mississippi State, you'd rather just go ahead, take your lumps at LSU, at Alabama, and get to host someone like South Carolina or Auburn or Arkansas uh, and, and give you a more respectable chance there. Again, these are not unwinnable. They're just made a little bit dif- more difficult because of the location of the games so ultimately guys you had the pick of it are you worried that they won't even make a bowl game this year i you know i touched on the middle of their schedule a minute ago i i just looked at it a little closer i think seven of their middle eight for a lot of the reasons you just talked about those toss-up games are mostly away and you have to host the lsus and the alabamas and you know up to that texas a&m game you're going to college station so I think seven of those middle eight games, they're probably going to not be favored in um, uh, unless they just come out guns a-blazing and just stomp Arizona, you know, and are competitive with LSU. I I don't think they're going to be favored for most of those games. And if they lost all of them, I would think, man, that's really tough luck, but it wouldn't shock me. You know, I I don't think they will, but I I just – I think all of those games are extremely losable. And, you know, losable, winnable, they're kind of interchangeable. Is that We don't know what the results of those games are going to be, and I don't think that Mississippi State's going to be favored in most of them. If I'm, you know, looking at the schedule objectively, if I'm thinking about, for this exercise, let's say they play the best version of every single one of these teams when they play them, I can see three 
four wins if they play the best version of that team. If they're so not worst the case for scenario for Mississippi State is four and eight. Four and eight. Okay. So I think they're. I think so that, that four. they they play the best. So I, if if you go in and you say you get the best of South Carolina, you get the best of Kentucky, you get the best of Auburn, best of Arkansas, when you play them, I I think I would be worried. Um, I think they pull off some oh, an SEC win somewhere. Uh, and I, I've objectively, like I said, Arizona could be a trap game, but they're they're a more talented team than than Arizona is. Um, so that I'm, I'll you know for this exercise, I'll give them four wins in the non conference. They you, I can very much see, like I said, South Carolina is a team out of that first three conference games that I would see them could see them winning. So that would be five. And then that last stretch before Ole Miss, I don't know if they, you know, you could pull an Ole Miss game out because it's a special game. It's a Thursday night. It's in your home stadium. Weird stuff happens there all the time. Absolutely. Egg Bowl's great. People pee on, you know, fake peeing in the end zone and lose (laughs) your football games. Who knows what's going to happen? And so that's a toss-up. Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, depending on how you get them, A&M. So I I, I don't know if I'm necessarily worried that they're going to miss a bowl game, but I could. There's a real possibility they could miss a bowl game this year. I, I am genuinely worried about it because, again, what you just said. And look, we know it's college athletics, and we operate under a lot of assumptions that end up being wrong, and, and that's why we play them, right? But if you were to say right now, who's favored? You get, can't pick even. Who is favored in the twelve games this year? I think Mississippi State is only favored four times, maybe five. They might be favored against Kentucky walking into the season because it's at Mississippi State. Right. But that's it. They're, they'll be favored in their four non-conference games, but they're not going to be favored on the road against Auburn or Arkansas or South Carolina. Again, you could contest that at home maybe, maybe. Uh, and then they're not going to be favored against Ole Miss because Ole Miss is, is supposed to be a tier above them team-wise. Now, again, we get to that moment in time. If they're both 6-5 and five or something coming in the game, then we'll – favor Mississippi State, it'd be different. But just as it stands coming the year, they would not be favored to win six games. So that is concerning. And again, the part about they're going to have their game's going to have to travel. They're going to have to win a road game or two. The key part of this schedule is clearly after that bye week, the at Arkansas, at Auburn, host Kentucky. Those are the teams taking the locations out that are around them in the SEC this year from a talent perspective or at least from a standings perspective, uh, perspective a projected standings perspective, that's that's the three right there. So you have to win at least one of those games, if not two, to make a bowl game. Got to win one. Because if you go 4-0 in the non-conference, you win one of those, then you could find an Egg Bowl victory or find a South Carolina game early, but – that's the stretch that you've got to get something from. If you don't, they're not making a bowl game. I think their floor, I love ceilings and floors. I, I think their floor is 4-8 and eight because I don't reasonably see them losing to Arizona. Uh, Arizona got beat by three scores at Arizona last year. I just would be surprised with everything going on if Arizona came in the Starkville. What's a cowbell? Well, you're going to learn today uh, with that. So I, I – I trust Mississippi State still in that game, so their floor, like you said, Brooks, is 4-8. and eight. Their ceiling, man, it's hard to quantify. I think with what Brant said about if, if Coach Leach was still with us, could they win about nine games? I think so, because I just illustrated to you that LSU and Alabama are really the only, I, I think, are unattainable uh, with Coach Leach here, uh, or, or maybe even with this team right now. But I'm not willing to put a very high ceiling on a coach that I don't know a lot about. That was still pretty young in the coaching process. Like Zach Arnett was not somebody that was getting a, a lot of whispers for a head coaching opportunity just yet. 
Uh, and so I think their ceiling is probably realistically around seven and five or so, maybe eight and four. So seven and five, eight and four range, because I just don't think that at the end of the day they're going to rack up all those road wins. Like, sure, again, at home, South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, you, you like – that's very doable. But three of those four are on the road. And I just don't think you're going to look at Mississippi State and say, wow, they ended up 3-1 and one on the road this year. I, like, that would be very surprising to me at the end of the day. So I think they get one or two of them, but they're not going to have the winning record on the road. Very few six- to seven-win teams ever do. So, again, they're, they're going to be – and a little bit of hot water trying to make a bowl game. Again, the good news for Mississippi State, unlike most of the league, most of the Power Five, most of all these teams, the pressure's not really on them this year. There's a lot of understanding. There's not the high expectations. It's kind of like this is like a free year for Zach Arnett to learn and just be like, hey, Zach, we're going to roll the ball out there, see if Will Rogers can win you a few, learn what you need to learn, recruit and then try to use a baseline and get Mississippi State back up because it's the, it's one of the weirdest situations to be, again, a nine-win team, a very competent team last year that, again, feels full rebuild uh, post the death of, of Mike Leach. So that's a look at Mississippi State football. Again, we did Vanderbilt, Missouri yesterday, Mississippi State today. We will do Florida tomorrow to wrap up the week. One final time out in the show. We'll start to wind things down and get to a nightly TV guide right after this. call crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 has that now hiring sign been in your business window for months now and you can't seem to find the right candidates get your job posting somewhere that everyone uses on a daily basis radio is where you need to share your now hiring message and you can do that today with tiger communications with four stations that reach from montgomery to columbus we can help you get your job into the ears of thousands of great candidates contact our talented sales team today by calling 887-9999 or emailing wendy at the tiger.fm your next great employee is listening to the radio right now will they hear you Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call. Final few minutes of the show today. Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childers, Brant Daughtry with you here. Getting very dark outside. Uh, the, the many alerts we've had throughout the program 
on the normal signal, they have arrived, it looks like, in real life. Just so, in time for us to run out to our cars. Yeah, just in time to leave for the day. I love it. I uh, love to see it. But a few minutes left before we get to the nightly TV guide. Again, we've hit on a lot of different things today. I would love to start another segment about uh, about all the college football teams deciding to take the money and run and off to other <laughs> conferences. But, hey, tomorrow's another day. Get right back into it. We'll see what the decisions from the Arizona and Arizona State Board of Regents is. Who knows how many board meetings we could have right. by then. And, and what uh, UW, what Washington does uh, later tonight at oh, 11 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Pacific Time. But uh, that is for tomorrow's show. So let's, again, let's recap one final time, a little bit more about fall practice. And let me, let's not do a recap. Let's kind of look ahead just a little bit, guys. And uh we kind of got some of these thoughts from Hugh Freeze but let me ask you guys what are you looking forward to in fall camp what position battles or that sort of thing are you looking out for uh any questions at all that could get answered here in in fall practice quarterbacks thank you Brooks (laughs) wow you know what let me just end the show right now since that's that's all there is yeah, it, I mean, I, I was going to say quarterback is the obvious answer, but our friend of the program, Justin Ferguson, asked Coach Freeze about uh, the the edge rushers, and I think that's another very large position of, of need. You know, you're losing Derek Hall, who's been and, and Ekuliota, who've been stalwarts at that spot, uh, and now those guys are gone. Who's going to step up? You brought in Elijah McAllister. You brought in Steven Sings. You brought in a couple other guys. But none of the you don't have anybody who's proven. You don't have anybody who's played at the SEC level at a high level before. I know McAllister's coming over from Vanderbilt. Great. Um, it, but I'm curious to see, like, is Auburn going to be able to get any, any pressure off the edge? Their secondary is really good, so that should give the defensive line time. I, I love Marcus Harris. I think that dude is really good. And I think he's going to provide a very nice rush up the middle. But you need a guy. You need a speed guy coming off the edge. And now speed doesn't mean just speed. I mean, it can be, a, be just. You need an edge rusher. Quick burst. You, yeah, you you need that quick first get step. To that you need a guy who can get around to tackle using speed or power, whatever. But you need an edge guy who can consistently rush the passer when your interior guys can't get home. And I, I'm really curious to see who comes out of that edge rusher room and how good is he really when football starts. I'm going to take the two obvious ones. That's not a quarterback position. Um, it's it's going to be uh, – I'll, I'll give you three, um, all on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, obviously, you added a lot in two rooms, the, the wide receiver's room and the offensive line room. You literally added a new offensive line within the past week. And so it's I, – I really want to see because, you know, you, you've both of those positions have been – semi-lacking there was a couple years during the Gus Malzahn era where you were you looked at the wide receiver room and you said all right we're set when you had Seth Williams you had uh, Anthony Schwartz you were like all right this is a good wide receiver room this is one of the better ones that we've seen in a, in a few years Sammy Coates uh, on the on the that front 2014 of, that. of Coates and Duke Williams Duke Williams yeah, that's, that's right um that you had you you've had you had a couple good wide receiver rooms the last few years of Malzahn there wasn't the the go-to receiver obviously the last two years with uh Brian Harson there wasn't this go-to two guy it and so you've added a few things you've added some interesting pieces with that that wide receiver room Hugh Freeze was asked about it at the presser today I'm really looking at seeing how that shapes out because this Hugh Freeze offense although you know we've talked about it it is much like Gus Malzahn's offense there's a lot more passing uh, elements to it there's a lot more explosive plays passing to it uh and then on the offensive line again uh, a position group that a lot of people on this program, off this program, uh, have talked about the offensive line since Gus Malzahn. 
the, the second half of Gus Malzahn's tenure, all through Brian Harson talked about the offensive line. Well, Hugh Freeze came in and hit the ground running recruiting offensive line. He's He got some good recruits coming in, but he went to the portal and he got some more guys in there. So I want to see how that gels and, and what that looks like coming out of camp. And then we've talked about early in the show, we talked about Jarquez Hunter, the uncertainty there. If Jarquez, if you know he's out a couple games, if he's out more than a couple games, if he's not back with the team at all, I want to see how that all, that uh, running back room does shape up because we you know we we talked about all the, the there's still talent in that room, but who's that number one guy? Does does it is it Demari Austin? Does he step up and he's like I'm the guy because Hugh Freeze talked about him being a leader off the field earlier uh, at, at his presser. Does Batty make a real big push in, in fall camp and say no? I'm the guy. This is this is going to be mine. Is it another guy? Steve mentioned Sean Jackson had a good showing at uh, SEC media or not at SEC media. <laughs> he had a good showing at A Day. Does he take a few steps or move up that depth chart? I don't think he's a guy that can take that number one, that number two spot. But can he move up that depth chart? Be a number three guy that can go into the future. There's a lot of questions on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, that's not a quarterback. Uh, that's not with the quarterbacks. And Hugh Freeze even said it this afternoon or th- this morning, there's a lot of, he, he's uncertain about things because there's just so many new pieces that weren't there in the spring. And so those are, that's, that's a lot of stuff. The, a lot of questions coming in uh, into this camp that I hope over the next few weeks, we get a lot of answers. Yeah. Real quickly. I, I would, since you took uh, a lot of the offense Sorry. there, no, you're fine. I mean, cause I'm, I'm going to echo what Brant said with that defensive front in particular, the pass rushers, because I just don't think Auburn's going to stop the run very well this year. They certainly did not last year. I'm not seeing anything in the middle at the linebacking level or necessarily in the middle of the defensive line that's going to make a big leap for. Sure, there can be small developments. They're like 106 or 104 in yards per attempt allowed, so maybe they get up to 60 or 70, but I don't think they're going to be a great interior of the defensive front. So what can they do on the outside when they lost their best guys on the outside? And how does that shake out in terms of a pecking order? Because you got a lot of different options. Again, to their credit, we talked a lot about this uh, maybe a month or so ago when we were grading the offseason. Like they filled they put bodies in places they needed to put them. They obviously did it on the offensive side of the ball with offensive line and wide receivers, but they also did that up front. They got multiple transfers uh, on at the outside linebacking level, also the defensive ends, that sort of thing. So I want to see how that shakes up. That's going to be an important part of the team. We know the secondary is good. That's going to be the strongest part of the defense. But you still need to do something up front because the DBs cannot cover people, not in this league, not in any league really, for the five, six, seven seconds if defensive linemen are not going to make cause any chaos at the end of the day. We are about out of time for the show. Final minute or two left. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. A quick Sports Call Nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we got? There's a mixture of sports on tonight, so I'm only giving you one movie pick. Seven or 6.15 on Wii Network, starring Whoopi Goldberg. It's Sister Act. Haven't watched that movie in a while. I, I like it. So it, it's it's uh, on tonight, 6.15 on Wii Network. Uh, mm-hmm. Elsewhere in the sports world, like I said, a lot of different stuff on tonight. It's the return of ESPN The Ocho tonight. You know what that means. 6 o'clock on ESPN Dos. It's Banana Ball. Savannah Bananas are on national TV, taking on the party animals like they always do. 
Uh, and then at 8 o'clock tonight, it's the American Cornhole League ACL Pro Shootout Championship from Rock Hill, South Carolina. So some fun action there. 6 o'clock on Fox, you got some MLB baseball. The Houston Astros take on the New York Yankees. Also 6 o'clock on ESPN. The basketball tournament concludes with their championship from Philadelphia. 6.30 ESPNU, Athletes Unlimited Women's Lacrosse. Uh, 8 o'clock ESPN Superstars Racing Experience, SRX from Berlin Raceway in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And of course... Football is back tonight. 7 o'clock on NBC. The New York Jets, the Cleveland Browns clashing at Canton, in Canton, Ohio, Hall of Fame Stadium to kick off the 2023 NFL preseason into the football season. We're back, baby. And that is your Nightly TV guy brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And thank you for being on the show today. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'll see you then. Brant, thank you for being on the show today. Hope you have safe travels back to Georgia. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for having me. That will do it for the show today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brant Daughtry and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.